Good evening and welcome to OLS with Bomar Takes. This is our 271st take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. I am six years into this. Happy sixth birthday to me. And yes, I look a lot older than my children um, who are around that age. But listen, uh, six years in podcasting, six years in cigar media tends to put a little age on it. That's why I've got a lot more salt than pepper these days. But you know, you know what? You live and you learn. And I'm wiser today than I was uh, six years ago. Uh, when I first interviewed one, uh, both of our guests on one amazing day, they kicked off this entire dream. So before we get to formal introductions of our guests of honor, we do have to thank the people that, that make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has done it once again. Yes, they are bringing it back. An oldie but a goodie originally introduced the brand known as Chateau Real to the domestic market just prior to the historic opening of the La Gran Fabrica. Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua in 2007. Interestingly, after a vibrant and emotional brand launch, the cigar brand mysteriously melted away, became that only of folklore legend, and yes, even controversy. While the Chateau Real brand never reached the worldwide prestige of Liga Bravada, Undercrown, and Herrera Esteli, its birth came at a pivotal, pivotal, yes, in pivotal inflection moment for the young, ambitious company known as Drew Estate. As Drew Estate worked relentlessly to build legitimacy and expand its boundaries beyond the world of infused cigars and into traditional cigars, Chateau Real was one of the very big first steps in this endeavor. Chateau, along with all of its secrets, has since become one of the most sought-after Drew Estate ghosts, with collectors keeping the brand and its folklore alive. We simply have to resurrect this prince of a brand, exclaims Jonathan Drew, founder and president of Drew Estate. And I'm absolutely thrilled that we are bringing affordable brands to market good shit that everyone can afford and feel intelligent purchasing. Chateau Real is marketing its return available exclusively to Drew Diplomat retailers. It is a luxurious blend crafted to highlight the cigar's most compelling Connecticut shade forward flavor. Its balanced blend of well-aged Nicaraguan binder and filler tobaccos are wrapped in a beautiful silky gold Connecticut shade leaf. The epitome of relaxation smoke, the new Chateau Real that redefines expectations for our traditional premium mellow cigars that are barely Priced. Check out Drew Diplomat Retailers today for the return of Chateau Real. And welcome, everyone. Without further ado, it's time to welcome in our guests of honor this evening, celebrating six years of El Oso Fumar takes. Yes, we have Mr. Tim Wong and Hector Alfonso. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? How are you? Good evening, nice to see you. I'm doing absolutely fantastic, gentlemen. Six years. I know neither one of you thought I would make it this far, but I'm glad that you're here today <laughs> with me. So thank you I'm so much. I'm just surprised after six years, you still don't have uh, Coop's voice on those on those uh, sponsor reads. No, man. He's I've got, got my, that down to. Yeah, he's got it down to a science, man. It really is. <laughs> it's really good stuff. Like he's. But yeah, I mean, but he has been doing it longer than me still. So I mean, to 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 my credit, I'm still I'm still the junior, the junior dude in this whole thing. So it's all right, though. It's all right. Hector, how are you doing, sir? I'm I I'm I'm here. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh i'm a little uh, beat up still but uh how's the jet lag how's the jet uh, lag, no no i'm i'm not jet like this the it was the lazona palooza lag it was uh it was rough we were we were very tired from uh from the the three days that we had there at the, the warehouse but, but uh it's always <sighs> a good time it's always a good time with <laughs> yeah it's a good time I'm, I'm just beat up that's all oh, but i'm happy good. to be here 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for coming back. Uh, I know you guys have, uh, you guys have made numerous appearances on my show. Of course, Tim always comes back uh, to celebrate my anniversary. Um, you know, cause he was the very first take, uh, on Ellis for my takes, man. Take number one belonged to Tim yeah. Wong. So, uh, Tim, thanks for, I'm thanks just for coming back. happy. I'm still here to be able to, uh, to attend. So six years <laughs> is a, is a big milestone for both of us. So. Absolutely. My friend. Absolutely. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, you know, it's not like one of those milestone events, like, you know, 10 or anything like, or even last year's fifth anniversary and something like that. But um, like, you know, character last year, you obviously blended two milestone cigars for Espinosa, the Lazona 10th anniversary and the Espinosa 10th, which I think, which is, which I think you're smoking tonight, right? The Espinosa 10th. I'm smoking the, uh, the Espinosa 10. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Personally, though, here's my question: Like, do you guys celebrate milestones? Like, I am. I'm a milestone celebrator. Eric's not really. Uh, I I just think part of his it's just part of his DNA. Listen, if you ask him what day the company started, he won't tell. You. He doesn't remember. That's just not. That's not really. That's not. He doesn't really. I don't think he concentrates on that or really gives, puts a lot of emphasis on that. But I am. I'm a. I'm a dates guy. You know, I worked in Intel my whole life, so dates are important. So I always, uh, I always remember dates. Uh, I, I like to say that uh, you know, somebody has to be the the guardian. You know, somebody has to have that that uh, institutional memory. Well, so I, it, I try to I try to do that. I think it's the baseball fan in us too, right? It might like, be. It might be the fact that you don't know what you had for lunch yesterday, but you know, Phil Nevins at two fifty two. His first year, you know. Yes. <laughs> you know, exactly. you know, things like that. The, yeah. the stuff that gets stuck in our heads, man. Like, seriously. Sure. It's like, it blows a lot of people's minds, like, too. Like, we're going to have, obviously, a trivia questioner later on and everything. And, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was putting together the answer day. I was working at, over at Starbucks and, uh, and I was, I was, I was working on the answer and I was just like, man, I already know this shit, but I was just like so fucking tired. Like, I still, I still needed to look up to kind of fact check myself because I was, just making sure that like everything was uh, just in order for, for a special night for you guys. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm also Tim, what about you, man? I mean, like his milestone, like do must, I know we've always, I, we've talked about numbers being important, especially, right. your, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a big, I'm not a big celebrator or, uh, you know, kind of, uh, 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 expressing that this is this, but you try to remember like, you know, this is my 20th year in cigar business, the actual 20th year. So that's a big one for me. I mean, putting a crooked number in front of a, in front of the number of years that I've been here, but you know, so personally, I'm like, I'm proud of the fact that I've been able to survive this, and 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 you know, and I've found a career out of something. I would have when I started in 2004. I never thought this was going to be my career. You know, I was a dot com kid. This is completely different. And 20 years later, thanks to this industry, here I am with you. So you know, you celebrate the ones that are important. That that one to me is a big number. You know, for me. So personally, I, I find that to be a milestone. Yeah, 20 years, man. 20 years in the business. It's crazy. Yeah. Right? That's what I said. That's nuts, man. And then you start doing the math on how many cigars you smoked over the years. And you're like, oh, fuck. Well, for you, that's quite <laughs> the number. Yeah. So, yeah. With your, yeah. yeah the cigar smoking of Tim Wong's a little bit the, the stuff of legend. So, I mean, sure. what uh, what number is that today for you, sir, that you've lit up? This is actually number one. Football Sunday, I was in my house watching the games. I don't smoke in my house. So, oh this is the first gosh, cigar Tim. I've had today. Tim, you're slipping, sir. What are you smoking tonight? Well, it's it's only seven o'clock in the evening. Give me. Give oh, that's me true. Yeah, you're West Coast. Yeah, it's up. like it's yeah. seven it's seven so, in the morning. It's breakfast yeah, time. So yeah. yeah, this is my first yeah, one. Of course. Little, 
he'll be able to catch that number. He'll be able to make that yeah. number up by midnight. Yeah, I, no shit. I lit up something medium. This is a Lago Vera Habano. That's what I started with. So. Oh, nice, nice, good stuff. That's when I was uh, a number ten, uh, ten years for uh, for Hector. So uh, Hector, I wanted to uh, have you pick my cigar for uh, that I was going to start with. So we've got three choices for you. I've got the Knuckle Sandwich Habano in the Robusto size. I've also got the Oscuro here. And, of course, can't let this happen. Uh, can't get tonight's show uh, pass without uh, at least offering the uh, 2022 number one cigar of the year for Melos from Martex, which just happens to be the Espinosa Crema Box Press Toro. So... Well, I, like I, I just think tonight? it makes. I just think I just think it makes sense to start with the crema. Yeah, make make start it with the sense crema. Right? Yeah, the crema. Then you go to then you go to the uh, the habano, and then you end with the maduro. Sounds good. Sounds good. I shocker. I love this cigar. It's amazing. That's why it was in my number one spot. And uh, I mean, Hector, you guys, you did an incredible job with this. Well, you, your so. your your award is on the wall. At uh, fantastic. At, at, however, your first award. Is uh got lost in the shuffle. So if you could ever print up uh the Habano Award, we would gladly put that on the wall. Absolutely, it, it, it got lost somewhere between. Uh, I stored it or must have handed it off to somebody. And uh, oh no, sweat. Yeah, no. If you can, if you can, if you if you can print up the 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 Habano one, we'll definitely. While uh the foyer is uh, really uh taking shape in the last couple of years. Yeah, so. it's uh absolutely my. It would be my pleasure. I mean. I mean, it's going to be really difficult to find paper, you know, to do it. But <laughs> uh, I'm absolutely to do. It. I'll be absolutely happy, happy to put you guys a copy of that. So that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I felt really bad for um, um, Henderson Ventura, you know, because he had that fire. And uh, yeah, that sucks. He, he lost. Yeah. He lost. Uh, Coop gave him an award. He lost that one. He also lost mine. I, I mean, to say nothing of all the, you know, God bless the amount of product and everything that he lost in this stuff that too. So yeah, no, absolutely, man. I, I get it. You guys move around a bunch and stuff like that. Not a problem, but thank you, Patrick. Thanks for picking my cigar. Uh, no tell us, tell us a little bit about the, I said that, I mean, this doesn't differ. Like the blend doesn't necessarily differ from the original cremas, but I mean, the box press adds a new dynamic to it. Talk about how, what you did with the box pressing and what well, listen, we, the, we came out with the box press only because, I think I, you know, I think it goes back to the fact that you're trying to, you try to make cigars for everybody, and I think within these different lines, you try to make a cigar for everybody in there as well. So it's just a it's a line that all of the cigars are around. So let's box press one, and let's box press the one that is the most popular size right now. In the last, I think, in the last two or three years, the most popular size is the Toro size. So, you know, we still offer a regular Toro. It's a little bigger, but this 6x52 is, is just, it's a great cigar. It's just, I, I don't know, just sometimes one Vitola in the blend just really kind of strands out. And while I'll, while I'll tell you that I think the 6x48 is probably the best we do it every time, this box press Toro really did a good, it really came, really shined through. So it was just a matter of doing something different within the line uh just like the habano you know the habanos are all, all around all except for the six by 54 box press which i think is the best of them all uh, and i don't smoke a lot of habanos you guys know i'm not i'm not the biggest habano fan in the world 
but you know, like I said, inside we you try to offer you try to offer, you know, brands across the spectrum, and then within the brand you try to offer, you know, some something for everybody. You know, not a Corona Lancer. It's it's no it's it's the, our oldest brand the 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 Habano the Laranja and the Crema, all come in six or seven Vitolas, just to you know. Just to, once we've got you hooked, you know, we want you to, to, to get nerdy. If you want a Corona, we have it. If you want a Lancero, we have it. Uh, I think the only one we don't do is, uh, I don't think we do a big Churchill in Laranja. And I don't think we do a, a big Churchill in, a, you know, we don't do a double a double Corona or anything like that. But there should be something within those two those two brands of the like. I, uh, you know, as part of the criteria, once a cigar gets named Cigar of the Year, no no additional uh, Vitola can win, uh, can get in the top 10 or, or win again. Uh, so, but I will say that being the case, like if the, but if I didn't have that rule in place, the Habano box press would have hit my top 10 again, for sure. I free, I absolutely agree. I think it's, I mean, I love the number four, you know, that's the cigar that won, you know, the, uh, the, the inaugural top 10 list that I put mm -hmm. out in 17. But um, but yeah, that box press is fucking amazing. It's really great. It's really great. Um, I like. I prefer. You give me two cigars, uh, same blend, one round, one box press. I'll always gravitate towards the box press one. I don't know why that is. That just it's, I was gonna say my, you, yeah, even you, before you, I got in, even, even be, before oh. I was in the industry. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Before. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah, okay. Before. Well, great, great. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and kick things off here. Uh, with tonight's uh, major point, which is brought to you by the people. Yes, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service and a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. So, kind of wanted to get back to again we're celebrating the sixth anniversary of this show tonight guys and 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 again i can't thank y'all enough you know tim you've done this now for six years straight you were the very first take in 2017 you know here we are fast forward you, you've showed up every year on the anniversary hector you were my third take and you've you've joined the show numerous times i really can't thank you guys enough for doing this but like just kind of going back to the last six years if you look at the last six years overall and then i'm we kind of talked about this before the show lodge, like you have individual perspectives that I want to pursue, but like kind of from a broad strokes sense, like what do you think has changed the most in the last six years uh, in the cigar industry? You want to take this for a second? Yeah, well, go ahead. Listen, I, I, I think that uh, <clears throat> talk about the six years, you know, you have to talk about the 800 pound gorilla number. Or the 800 pound elephant in the room. This is six years with uh, a year, year and a half, two years long. The greatest thing that ever happened to the cigar industry, where you, you guys there? Yeah, I got you. Are you there? All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're talking about six years with two years of of COVID, which, like I said, is possibly the greatest thing that's ever happened to the cigar industry where you had guys who were smoking two cigars a week, maybe 
and now we're working from home, extra income and extra time, and became box smokers, you know. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's it's. I, I think in the last six years, you've seen an increase in product. Uh, you've seen a lot of cigars come to market. Uh, a lot of guys tried to get back in this industry who left the industry years ago, uh, trying to get that one last ride. Uh, there are some turmoils and some troubles that we're going through, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, sh tobacco shortages uh, brought on by, you know, the, 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 the El Nino and the crop crop issues in, in uh, Ecuador or Nicaragua or, or the fact that, you know, uh, there's just more manufacturers now. I think you're going to see a little bit of a glut coming up. But listen, I, I think uh, in this last six years, it's been a very creative time for the cigar industry. A lot of uh, a lot of great cigars have come out in the last six years, and uh, it's uh, you know, I, I just think it's a great time. It's, it's a great time for the industry. You know, we 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 won a, a small battle against the FDA, that now we'll, I guess we'll be fighting again when the FDA uh, finally appeals. Uh, it's just I think. Uh, these constants are just going to be are just going to continue, uh, and it's something that I'll see for the next four or five years while I'm still in the industry. And uh, you know, it's just uh, it's it's just been a good creative time for cigars. I mean, it really has. As and personally speaking, for our company, it's been it's been a fantastic uh, it's been a fantastic last the last five years have been great. The last three two years have been phenomenal. So uh, going on our third year now with the knuckle sandwich and. Uh, and the, the partnership with Fieri and our brand has really taken off. And like I said, it's a, it's a good time. What a time to be alive, as my son would say sarcastically. He goes, what a, what a, what a great time to be alive, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you said something a second ago that made my ears perk up. You said for the next four or five years while you're still in the industry. I mean, are you planning on riding off in the Listen, sunset? Listen, I'm, 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 50, I'm 57 years old. I'm 57 years old. I have been working since I was 15 years old. I don't, you know, guys who worked in, in my field and they retire uh, and they drop dead in five or six years, never getting a chance to actually enjoy their retirement. I've been very lucky. I mean, I've, I've, I worked two jobs continuously for two years, uh, working with Eric and, and working at, at the police department. But I, I think it would be, it's only fair for myself and, and my, my kids and, I'd like to be able to, while I'm still young enough to enjoy these things, you know, retire, you know, travel a little bit. It's it's not about leaving the industry at, at all. It's just about making making plans for for that second or that last stage of your of your life, you know, where the golden <clears throat> the golden years, as they say, the golden years. And listen, I mean, we're at we're at this we're we're at the point now. The way technology is and the way this industry has kind of has has moved along it, it shouldn't be a problem to work remote but i mean the, the desire to leave miami is real you know i've been here my whole life practically and i don't want you know I, it's crowded and it's hot and there are hurricanes and <clears throat> and every day uh, you know there's more and more people here and and my my uh my ability to withstand it gets <laughs> it, it diminishes every year, uh you know. Well, you could always so, move out to where Tim is and get earthquake, you know, the earthquake experience. I mean, that's listen. I I'd, I'd like to it move, out here. 
I'd like to move somewhere where I can see four seasons and, you know, and, and still be, you know, still maybe still ancillarily be in the industry. And, you know, and, but we haven't had that conversation. We're still years and years away from it, but it's in the back of my mind because it's, uh, it's only fair. I mean, it's only fair that you get that chance to enjoy all those years that you banked, all those years that you, that you put in, you know? I mean, that, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I, think, I don't think it's asking much. Listen, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I don't, I don't need a lot of things. I just, uh, maybe a little downtime would be nice. I mean, you certainly do go, I mean, both y'all do, you know, hit the accelerator all the time and everything. So, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily, like you said, out of the craziness, but we're, like you said, we're a few years away from that, but, uh, yeah, we're still, I'll, but listen, it's, I'll choose it's not good. to think about it. Cause then that'll make me really sad, Hector. So we no, but listen, you have to, you have to, you have to plan and you know, I'd like to he do can, this. He can zoom from anywhere. So where, where are your, I can zoom here? from anywhere. I can, as long listen, it's, it's a, it's a conversation I haven't had and I will eventually as we get closer, but I could probably still work remote. I mean, you know, uh, I might plan in the next few years just to actually do a little more outside of the office stuff. And, you know, I, I can do that from anywhere as long as I'm close to a, a major a major airport, I'll be fine, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Tim, what about you? I mean, look, we went down a, went down a road here. Uh, that's my fault. Uh, but like the yeah. last, the last six years no. for you, I mean, like you said, I this think... is, you, this is your 24. Yeah. I mean, let's, you know, yeah. I want, uh, you know, I want to expand on what Hector said. I think the the key word here for us as an industry is resiliency. I mean, if you look at that period, you're talking about six years. The FDA was looming on us big time. I mean, I remember when, you know, with Espinosa, they had to go through and do the uh, uh, exercise and trying to get the warning labels on onto the boxes, which was a nightmare because, uh, you know, they, we didn't know what the sizes were. And you had to, you know, put things into, into uh, approval processes that, it's just ridiculous, you know, um, for that process. Um, and then, you know, that 500 page document that was dropped on us, you know, it, it really was, you know, people, I don't think necessarily know what the internal workings were. I mean, what they were proposing was just couldn't mean the death of the industry, you know, to go from that point, And then now you get to get survived through COVID. Nobody could have expected what happened. The Hector said, we got two, three golden years out of that. Um, some people rolled really well with it. Other you know, companies did not. But, you know, we managed to survive through that process as well and thrive. Um, like he's saying, you know, more now more than ever, there's more choice in the consumer realm. Um, we just continue to to survive and, and, and be creative in that process. Um, the biggest difference for I think for us as an industry now is, you know, um, how valuable those cigars that we make really are um, because you can sell just about anything right now. And I'm not talking about quality or whatnot, but just – you know, the, the marketplace has never been stronger. This this past year, with inflation and the economy, things have kind of returned to the norm, in my opinion. Because, um, you know, you, as long as I've worked, there's there are cycles. It's seasonal, you know, different regions survive um, better, uh, in the summertime. Others, you know, in the wintertime, will have adjustments and things like that. So we get that pattern back. But, you know, the industry has adapted very, very well to the conditions that have been presented to us. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's, you know, um, uh, a kudo to all the manufacturers and to, to consumers and everybody who worked in this industry that were able to, to roll with those punches, um, and, and come out of it, you know, smelling pretty well. 
Um, you know, so now how we do business changes because, you know, we used to be able to like during trade shows or wherever we offer a deal. It was always incentivized with free product. Now we have switched over to discounts because discounts are, are um, easier for us to present than to give away free product because, you know, we can, and most, most companies could probably sell every cigar they roll. So, you know, it's a, it's a change in, in the way that we, we do business, but that's just because the conditions have made our product more valuable um, in this, in this time frame. So, you know, to come out of this, this period um, as well as we did, I think that's a, a man, uh, the uh, sign of the resiliency and the and the creativity and the ability of, of the people who are in this industry to adapt to the conditions that are presented to them, and that's always going to be um, a problem for us because conditions change on a daily basis. You know, between taxes, between governmental regulations, between conditions of product, between the economy. You know, it's like any, it's like any other business. You know, we have to adapt to it, and I think this industry has done a great job in adapting to the conditions that are presented to us. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that sums up a lot of the last few years. I think that considering, like, I mean, does it surprise either one of you? Considering, like, how you know, you know, Tim, you've been around long enough, and Hector, you've been around the process specifically. Considering how long of a process it is, process it is to produce a cigar, especially from the from Hector's perspective of just like blending from scratch and then creating a project and launching a, you know, a brand and everything like that. I know you guys have, you know, work with teams or you have teams that'll do it for you, but does it surprise you at all that this industry can pivot so fast and so quickly considering that the, the backbone of it actually is, 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 is so time constrained? Well, I, I think it, it, in the last year, I mean, we talked about the benefits of COVID. One of the, you know, we can, there's some, some things that are not, uh, haven't been great. Uh, you know, what used to be a, a 90 day turnaround time on a cigar now is 180 days. Uh, cause it's, it's not the cigar because, you know, you're missing a particular tobacco or the box guy is delayed or the band guy is delayed. Or, you know, the, the beasts aren't having arrived on time. The artwork's not ready. Uh, we we do encounter the we we encounter new delays that we haven't had, but I think the pivoting part, I think that that also is really that really has a lot to do with the company. When you're a smaller company, I think you can pivot. You can you can you can move on a dime. You can cut on the dime, and I think smaller companies maybe you know might not have the staff, you know, or, or look at analytics or metrics and things like that, but. Uh, we we do know what our customers like, especially companies like ourselves that's so engaged uh, with our, our our consumer base and our and our retailers on not just on the on a hand personal basis, but through social media. You know we've we've been very lucky, and you know when you talk about the companies that were ready during COVID, uh, listen, we talked. You know a lot of the companies were just happened to be fat at the time that COVID hit. Uh, some unfortunately weren't, but I think also it's, you have to give credit a lot to the retailers who are smart bunch. Because once the retailers figured out how to get around any local ordinances about being open <laughs> and uh, <laughs> COVID regulations, they uh, they came up with all kinds of crazy and innovative ways to to, to work. And uh, it, it's just a it was just a great thing. A lot of them offered door to doors, you know, some delivery services. Some were doing uh, 
walk out to your car, you know. So listen, we've 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 made it this industry is just in my short time uh going on twelve years, I've noticed that this industry is very is always quick to adjust. The smaller companies probably a little quicker. The bigger companies when they make their adjustments, they're more impactful, obviously. But I think uh I think it's just we've been we've been very fortunate. And I'll kind of uh, um, add on to that. I do think the the bigger companies, while it may have taken a little bit of extra time, because you know I've worked for you know AJ for Rocky for Espinosa, which are all you know medium to to you know larger companies. Um, one of the big things that was a pivot for us is, and I think Hector will agree with me is. When something wasn't available because of the conditions that were presented in front of us, whereas previously people can wait or they'd go to one of their other um, uh, you know, rotation cigars, the consumers very smartly um, were able to pivot to what they had in stock. So I think a good example for Espinosa was I think the, the 601 Green kind of took off. It was always one of those kind of secret, uh, you know, smoker secret geek weapon cigars for us we, we loved it but didn't carry as much number wise well when they couldn't get blue or whatever it was for the short period that we may have been out they pivoted to other stuff that they may not have tried and they expanded what they were smoking so it allowed us to kind of get other cigars that we would like into people's hands and they were willing to try it because that's what they could get and they actually went ahead and whereas they normally they may have said well i'll wait for my cigar they went ahead and started to try other yeah. things and that gave I, us I, I, to I want I want present other brands. I want 601 blue. I don't have blue. I have green, I have yeah. red. Okay, I'll I'll take green. I'll take the red. Or okay. I and they're I, willing I to try it. Yeah. I have blue prominente. Yeah. I don't I don't have the Toro. All right, you're set. Right. Listen, uh and and as well as as well as I think the cigar industry did during COVID, uh, I think we've had this conversation in private. I think I've had it with both of you in, in chats privately. Uh you know it's it, Pales in comparison to how well the uh, the liquor companies and the whiskey companies in particular. But with the whiskey companies, uh, you you really got to take your hat off to how they they managed to uh, to really uh, step up their <laughs> step it up during COVID. You know, well, so, and in uh, tough times, yeah. vices always sell better. You know, vices always sell well. Yeah. So. Listen, guys who smoke cigars, even even I remember when I worked retail uh, for a short time. Uh, guys who come in and buy the guy came in every day and bought two uh, two explosivos and then when the economy you know, when times got a little tougher he'd come in and buy the what's the smaller little Corona Padron Tim uh, the Principe yeah the guy he didn't buy explosivos now he'd come in and buy two Principes I said oh what happened he goes oh you know times are tough but I'm not going to stop smoking you know I'm not going to stop smoking cigars you know yeah. uh, and I and I, I I think that's uh we've got people smoking cigars now and they're enjoying cigars and and God are they learning about cigars? How I think one of the when you talk about six years, what's what's one of the biggest things I've noticed is the 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 resource the there's so many more resources out there for the cigar smoker uh, to to learn about cigars whether they want uh whether they want to be in, industry insiders. And read some of the forums that are for us, or they, you know, they 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 follow Coop, or they're not really big into the news, but they, you know, they like being part of social communities, uh, which Facebook has so many of, or you know, they they follow the Dojo guys are learning about cigars, 
and guys in the industry like myself uh and guys like myself who are who are kind of the the mouthpiece of, of their company uh we do a lot of do a lot of podcasts we do a lot of podcasts uh during covid how many virtual herfs did you see you know some of these virtual herfs if you look back it you may never get all of these guys on a on a herf you know uh, you know uh, steve Saka and, uh, and terrence riley and johnson and and you know, and then and, and skip, and, and you know, these you had guys, and I'm talking mostly in the boutique world. These right. guys were on some of these 10, 12 hour herfs, and and people were watching and just you know, they were fanboying themselves to death. And I think that's great. It's great, you know, people rag on fanboys. I think having fanboys is is a uh, is something that really kind of tells you that your industry has really made it. You know? Oh, absolutely. I think that this is in this age. Again, the the last six years is a period. You know, we've had our like like Hector said, we've had our our adjustments and our struggles with things, um, and inevitably, you know, things cost more, right? Even with the inflation or economy, whatever it may be, things cost more. Labor goes up. We had, like you said, box problems. We had transportation problems. All those kind of things. I, I give the consumers credit. This is the first time, and you know, I've ever worked that incremental price increases have not been a big item like when things go up a quarter i used to hear about it all the time in retail stores why did you raise the price things and go up we, in price and i think we've done no a one's good no job. one's done that yeah you know, in, in this period and i think the media guys have done a good job too and since people are i mean not in the tri-county area where i live but outside <laughs> of the area where i live uh, they've done a great job explaining why these increases are coming you know why this has happened you know, in Nicaragua, Nicaragua, the government tries to nickel and dime you to death. It's it's like they're living off the vig. These guys all watch The Godfather or something, and they're all trying to you know they're they're all trying to do their shyster stuff on us. You know, ten uh, percent here now. You got to register your brands there. You have to register your American brands in Nicaragua for two years. You know, that's an extra little that's a little a little extra touch off the top. You know, that's just, you know, we have to live with all these things. And it's, I think we've done a good job of explaining and reporting sure. why some of these increases are coming. And they've taken right. it in stride. Right. And the 10, you know, the magic price point used to be $10. Now, now it's about 15 12 to 15 Yeah, 12 yeah. to 15 And, and, and nobody's magic, really complaining about it. Magic price yeah. MSRP Florida or Pennsylvania yeah. or te or Texas, yeah. not in a state like Tim's at 66% yeah, exactly. or 62% yeah. or in New York, which is a 75% state. I I'd mean, give you some pushback on that, Tim, just to say like the cigar prices have gotten outlandish because there's a lot of like one-offs, right? That like, and I'm not talking about Illusione. I'm talking about just like one-off situations where like a company is like leading off, even though one-off is kind of a good example of this, but they've, it's the one-off's been on the market for years. So that price has been expected, but just like, Cigars that are like coming into the market at the the twenty five dollar plus price point. Like again, these are one off scenarios and stuff. But you, we are seeing a more commonplace now. But to your point, well, I like, think it's, it's not it, it doesn't it doesn't bat an eye when an established company might want to do might come across or have the ability to make a twenty five dollar cigar. I think it's I I think you still have a bit of a a bit of a hard time explaining a new company coming into the market. Not a, a non-established company coming into the market at twenty-five to thirty dollars. That's a bit outlandish, I think. But hey, you know, whatever works for them, and and we're not here to yeah. we're not here to tell anybody how to run their business. You know, they do what they got to do. That's right, but, and, and I'll agree with Hector there. I mean, 
there are uh, manufacturers that, you know, you are trying to create a portfolio. Not, I mean, that's everybody that has every, you know, every cigar under the spectrum. You've got something for the, the bargain smokers. You've got something for the mid-tier. And you've got something for the high end because there are those classifications of smokers. Right. But he's right. I mean, you cannot buy your way into that, that um, ultra premium tier. We've seen it. I mean, for 20 years, it's been Padron, Opus, Davidoff. And no one has really broken into that tier besides those three companies. They try, but it's very hard to come in at that price point and compete against those guys who have those high-end smokers under lock because they want to go with their tried and true. They're going to spend $30, $40, $50 for a cigar. They want what they know is going to be something that hits their palate, and that's going to be great. They're willing to try that, that, that new expensive cigar, but they may not take to it like they do with the existing high, um, high brand, high-tier brands. I think it's a little easier if you if you have a resume if you have a little bit of if you have you have a little bit of credibility maybe but hey listen mm-hmm. like I said uh, uh, you know more power to them uh, whatever whatever listen there's an at what is it the thing there's an ass for every seat there's a cigar for every palate uh, so you know. Andrew, what's All the most the, expensive thing in the pro, the Espinosa portfolio? I was trying to think about this. The most expensive cigar we've ever made was uh the six provinces las vegas and that was because the bo- the the boxing the price of the, the packaging got a little bit out of hand but you know if you look at that if you if you look back at that the way that cigar was presented in the 10 count uh glass can con- uh wooden glass container with the coffins i mean yeah that's uh that got a little bit out of hand but uh usually our 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 most expensive cigars is about 18 dollars yeah, to so say you haven't really kind of forayed into that like really extreme. Much. Listen, we we know our client. Look, our we are we're a <laughs> we're a blue collar company, uh, and our our smokers, the guys who smoke our cigars. Uh, yeah, sure, we have attorneys and doctors and all kinds of guys who smoke our stuff, but you can't forget where our roots are and our our. This is how our 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 the base of our of where our 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 company started. And, uh, we don't. You never want to price yourself out of the out of the market that established it. No, for sure, for sure. Um, I was going to get an update from you guys on like your each individual kind of portfolios. And so, Tim, like, uh, so I'm, how many brands are in the, the Tim Wong portfolio now as a broker? I think seven. Okay, what brands are you representing? Yeah, so it's a it's a boutique portfolio. I mean, I've got you know. On the bigger side, La Galera, uh, Quesada. Uh, in the mid tier, you've got well, um, it's got Black Level Trading, uh, Espinosa, um, you've got uh, Illusion. Um, and then on the boutique side, I've got, you know, Apostate, I've got Cavalier, really the smaller, smaller brands. So, you know, I've got a wide variety. It's mostly Nicaragua with a couple of Dominican companies in there as well. Awesome. So I'm guessing, just can kind of spot thinking about this with some of the brands you represent. I mean, the, I guess I guess the one-off from Illusion is probably one of the most expensive in the portfolios, like the whole portfolio. Yes, that would be one of the more expensive cigars yeah. uh, in the portfolio. It's probably the most expensive cigar that, that, I, that I handle. Um, and in California, because of the tax, um, those cigars will go as high as 25 to $28. Jeez. Um, but most of them are in that low 20 range. Um, so that is yeah. Has, but most of the other brands I have, they're all in the ten to fifteen dollar range. 
regularly. And they may produce limited editions that will get pushed to twenty dollars range, but it's all mostly in that ten to fifteen dollars range. Is there anything that you've noticed from your portfolio specifically that's kind of like hit a stride in the last six years or yeah um the companies that have been the most consistent um i think most recently is black level trading um they're starting to kind of really develop a following um they've grown every year for the last three years consistently in a, in a good and healthy way um that's what you want to see is that you know that that they're doing the right things right they're getting the scars out there um and that the following is actually not just because of social media or something that that is a, a, a kind of a one-off style. Maybe they're doing a, a series of barber poles or things like that. Um, they're building their core lines. They still do very uh, popular limited editions. And that models work very well because the limiteds will push the, the core lines. Um, and that's what you really want to see is that consistent growth between you know, from their core lines with the, with the, uh, the goodies being the, the handful of limited editions that they'll put out over the course of the year. So, it's not heavy in the sense that oh people are just looking for limited editions. They're buying the core lines as well. And that that's the kind of growth you're looking for, that kind of healthy growth, like I said. So I like what what those guys are doing. And then, you know, you've got guys like like Hochi and uh, and Espinoza that do what they, they do. And they just they're able to grow that because you've got the tobacco, you've got the right kind of social media going and the followers are are there for that as well. So those are the kind of things you want to see, you know, that that you're not struggling to kind of get shelf space and that, that's that's hard with boutiques because that's probably the biggest problem is how do i get my product on the shelf space you know because you've got so many choices as a retailer and a consumer that, that you know how do i get my cigars visible in, in the marketplace and those, those are the things that the, the smaller companies are trying to strive so that's what you're looking for is how do they break away from the pack and you know, kind of get above a little bit and uh and get that consistent uh, consumer like, and we've said this for six years you want to be in somebody's rotation you know, somebody's yeah. going to smoke five or six cigars. How do I get one of my cigars into that person's rotation? That's absolutely. what we're striving for, from my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned uh, the work that James and Angela are doing there at Black Label Training Company and everything. And, and I, yeah. Hector, I know you're, I know you're, uh, you know, you're well acquainted with James and have a lot of respect. Oh, for I, they're they're so. some of my favorite people. They really are. Uh, they're, they're they're whenever I go to Nicaragua, uh, and you know they're in town. I'm in town with them at the same time. I've always gone over. They've always hosted me. They're wonderful people. I like what they've done. Uh, listen, this this is this this is a business of, of uh, relationships, not only at the consumer level with us, but among manufacturers. I mean, the guys who are your friends, you want to see them do well, and you want to help them every chance you get. Uh, so that's uh, that's that's not going to change. I think they make a good cigar. They're they're committed to their craft. Uh, um, they they live in Nicaragua. They they've done a really nice job at their factory, and and I I am a big fan of their of their cigar. I smoke a lot of their cigars. What going back to going back to Espinosa though, Hector? Like, what do you think has changed the most in the six years from the brand that you've worked for and and have uh, alongside Eric Junior and Eric, of course, obviously, and the you know Jack that they brought in the last few years and stuff like you know. And you and, know, and don't know, forget Richie. Uh, Richie, Richie is also. Well. He's, he's been integral with with the big customer with the with the large clients. Uh, you guys got a great team, so yeah. I mean, I think I think what has been well, I think first of all, when it comes to our company, we very few companies of our size have as many personalities as we do. I mean, listen, uh, Eric does 
probably the majority of events. Uh, Jack and Eric travel probably 30 weeks a year. I'm traveling seven or eight weeks a year now. Uh, Richie's gone a couple of times, three or four times a year as well. He goes to his clients. Junior does ad hoc, you know, uh, things, you know, but Junior's a, a parent to a newborn, you know. So uh, I, I I know that being home is, you know, that's kind of, uh, it's kind of something you got to do when the babies are small, but but he has his, you know, his stores that he does very well at and, and he travels to. So, I mean, we have a multi-pronged attack, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're looking for. If you're a nerd shop, you know, they're, they're, I do very well at those. If you're a shop where the guys, uh, where the guys want to hear a good story and, and, and laugh a lot, you have Eric and Jack uh, who do that. Uh, and then Richie, who's really, who's really done a great job with, with uh with Benny's and smoking friendly and and introducing the brand i think what i think what's really the the most the the most astonishing part the one that really kind of if you sit and reflect on the time that we've been a comp uh, that we've been together as a company which is going to be 12 years now in february is the fact that now people look forward to our releases you know now they know when warhead comes out now they know six provinces they know that we have, you know, they know when the limited stuff's coming out and we've done, and we do a really good job of not only making that information known to the, to the media who helps put the word out, but to our reps and, you know, to, and to the, the lounge owners and they create their own buzz. Listen, whenever we have something in the hopper, the buzz is great. And, you know, in the last two years now that we've had Guy Fieri in hand, anything that we anything that we release with guy fieri right now has been has been doing really well uh it's i i would i would dare say that it's the most it's the most successful a celebrity collaboration or release ever uh because not only are the cigars legitimately good cigars he is behind the cigars he's a he's a great partner to the company uh you know he's now this this year it's he's been more available to do events which i yeah. think is what really you know we've we've, we've built this we built we've been able to help build this brand the right way going reflecting back on our 10 years prior to having him and you know that we made some mistakes along the way and we've been able to do the right things you know we started with two core lines and then some release some limited releases and then a, a core line extension with connecticut and those 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 limited releases will come back out. Like I'm smoking right now, I'm smoking a 55, which was his birthday cigar, which is one of those milestone cigars in the sense that this cigar taught us that we are no longer a limited 500 box company because a company of our size to make 500 boxes gives us more trouble than it helps us. I mean, uh, we want their retailers will want 10, 12 boxes of this. And to tell a retailer that's been with you since day one, listen, I'd love to give you ten, I can give you two, you know, right. <laughs> that's uh that 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 kind of ruffles some feathers. We we do have the two guys who can talk, you know, that can talk them down and explain to them, listen, this is a limited thing. That's why you're only getting two. But now we know that whenever we do anything limited, it's got to be over fifteen hundred boxes, just to make sure that everybody gets uh everybody gets the the can fulfill the initial demand. And have some back on, have some ready on reorder. You know, that's a that's the and, most surprising stuff. That's the most surprising thing to me. I, I think to our and from earlier, my perspective, yeah, go ahead. So, well, from from my perspective, um, 
I think that the growth of what Espinosa has and what they've always needed um, was a horse, something to drive everything else. When people love the brand, but it doesn't necessarily have a key brand. Now that Knuckle Sandwich is out, it's sort of that key brand that drives yeah. everything else. And so when you walk into a store, they're going to want to order a Knuckle Sandwich. And then the question becomes, well, what else do you have? And it's, that's your ability to sell other things in, which has always helped the company grow. Um, AJ is the same way. It was always New World. But initially, you know, and they didn't like selling New World to people because that was all they were ordering. It's like, well, you have to understand, you built a horse. This brand is going to drive the other brands in. And that really helps to have to have a, 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 a like I said, the word is horse, something that's going to drive everything else. And I think that brand has really, really done uh, wonders um, for expanding lines within stores because it's just, you know, we're interested. This store is great. What else do you have for stores that may not have tried other things? They may know blue, they may know orange, but now they get a chance to try crema, they get to try green, you know, La Bomba, all that kind of stuff. The wide variety of cigars that are offered are, you know, you have a, a lead to drive that kind of stuff in the stores. It, and I think that's a big thing. It, it really worked both ways. I mean, we, we were able to get knuckle sandwich into stores originally based on the fact that we were in a bunch of stores and mm-hmm. uh, you got to understand, this is a brand that half of our pre-order was sold within the first couple of weeks. Cigar unseen, unseen nobody, uh, unless you were in the 12 or 15 stores that Eric and, and guy visited in January of 2022, uh, 2021, uh, nobody tried this cigar. Nobody knew what the cigar was like and what it was about. So that helped get us in a lot of stores. And then once the cigar came out and people were trying it and we were getting orders from companies that didn't order from us originally, getting, like Tim said, getting Knuckle Sandwich in kind of opened the door to get Blue in. And Laranja Squirrel and Laranja, the regular Laranja and the Six to Ones and the Habanos. And so they've kind of, they've really kind of helped themselves. They've, we've, they've each, you know, we've, they, we helped them get in and then they've opened a lot of doors for us as well. Yeah, I think that just back to our original point though, what we were talking about with uh, pricing things more, you know, I guess aggressively. To not play into the uh, to to not play in some of the to the top some of the top tiers that we were talking about earlier, not to combat like the Patrons and stuff like that, Davidoff, etc. You know, guy could have guy guy could have gotten together with y'all and been like, hey, here's my plan. I want to run, launch a twenty five dollar cigar, and you know, he could have certainly gone that route, and he probably would have had a lot of success. Um, more or less would be determined, you know, on a number of things, but like I think he would have been like it would have been judged maybe like not inside the industry, but even outside the industry, I think it would have been okay. Cause they were like, Oh, it's Guy Fieri, you know, but he didn't, he, you know, he opted not to do that, you know? So that was a big credit to, to Eric and, and you for, you know, framing how, you know, knuckle sandwich would, you know, would partner and pair with, with, uh, you know, with, uh, would, 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 you know, would pair with, you know, the portfolio that it exists today, you know? Oh, for sure. So. Listen, yeah, it, it, we could have easily said, "All right, Knuckle Sandwich is twenty five dollars." Yeah, and I'm sure it would have done well. But yeah. you know, that's that's not that's not part. That's you know, that's not our that's not our bread and butter. And to be honest with you, uh, you know, a guy's just a regular guy. He's just a he's a regular guy who he's just has a, a you know, is just a dude. He's just a dude who smokes cigars. You know, 
another billionaire dude that just smokes cigars. Yeah, listen, he you know it's it's not he wasn't born with a, sw- a golden spoon. No a man, he worked his way mouth. up. No, he absolutely. worked his way up, and he re- you know he tells stories of how the first cigars he smoked, you know, they were eight or nine dollar cigars. You know, you 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 want to be able to you want to be able to make cigars where you're going to get the largest you know the biggest mass appeal, especially and and be not outside of somebody's uh, sweet spot. You know. The two things that that are really important to me about that cigar is number one is, you know, he is not a fine dining guy. He's he fits the profile that's been those. He's, he's as much of a celebrity as he is. He's a blue collar guy. I mean, his most famous dish is garbage can nachos. Right? Right. That's what his, his restaurants serve. And so he kind of has an idea of what that in our industry is. You know what what sells, what does. Maybe he's a maybe a, you know an outsider a little bit, but you know he has an understanding for that which helps to put in that process. And number two, I think one of the most important things about that cigar is you got to realize the only thing that makes it, you know, other than our promotion and his, his ability to, to work with the company, the only thing that says Guy Fieri in that box is his autograph inside of the box. There's no picture of him out there. It doesn't say flavor town. None of these things. He wants that cigar to stand on its own, which I think helps because he took that kind of that process seriously. It's not just slap my picture on a box and sell a cigar for twenty five bucks. And let me tell you something. He cares. He smokes he a lot of cigars. Trust mm-hmm. me when I tell you, he smokes a lot of cigars. And he's and and he has been a great uh, he has been a great promoter of not only the brand but I think he's been great for the industry because it's it's one of those guys that can actually take cigar smoking mainstream. Uh, it's, he's not a regionalized sports uh, sports figure. He's a guy that. Uh, as I as somebody told me at the very beginning as well, you know, if he's you know he's just a regular celebrity. You know, I said, does your wife know who this ball player is or that ball player is? No, she doesn't like sports. I go, but I bet you she knows. Who, she watches the Food Network, right? Yeah. So so you know, if that's uh, it, it's face when it comes to recognition, that's that's not been an issue. When you we see him in line at though we have him at our booth of a big smoker at at uh, PCA, the biggest question I hear when I watch that line go by is, "Hey, can you say hello to my wife? She loves you." You know, they mm-hmm. but that's part yeah. of the, the you know not it's not just a cigar. It's it's you it's know his that. passion yeah. for that, all of that you know, and his his he's in the hospitality business, and that's what they know for. I mean, it's perfect for us. You know, he treats yeah. this like he would one of his restaurants or his his tequila brand, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's a passion project for him, and it may not be the most you know profitable part of the the Guy Fieri empire, but he loves it. It's a passion. We you know we throw that word around a lot. If there's anybody who's got it, it's him. You know, this is something he's wanted for all of his career, and he's taken in full advantage of the fact that he's got something that is is good. He wants to build it the proper way, which is great. You know, he, Listen, he, he treats he it is, like this is know. a guy who's been on dozens of magazine covers and mm-hmm. got emotional that he made the cover of CA. That's right. that, I mean, that's think about it. I mean, yeah. listen, he said our, that from day one. He wanted to be on the cover of Cigar Fish, not on. We got him there. Have feel how feel however you may want about the about about the publications, but that's what he wanted, and he got it. You know, he got it, and that's a tribute to you know the fact that his cigar is a real cigar. It's not a cigar with a celebrity's name slapped on it. It's a cigar right. that he smokes. It's a cigar that he talks about, that he knows what's in it. He knows how we made it. You know, he's 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 aware. So, like I said, it's it's been it's an, it's been it's an all aces for us. You know, oh uh, for sure. Uh, so like like actually like I I don't 
I think I've got this, you know, I've known you for a number of years now and I've gotten to know you pretty well. I think I've got you nailed on this. You know, you probably not want to get starstruck very easily, but I, but I think this, this can be applied to guy, but it can also be applied to guys like Kevin and Juan or even Steve, when you were doing stuff with Cornelius and Anthony or any of the other half dozen or so brands that you've blended cigars for, you know, you're handing over a blend that, they either going to like or not like and if they like it it's 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 more than likely going to go to market and there's a plan behind it obviously and everything like that so you have to capture kind of the essence it's different than working with eric right i mean um you know guy and eric really teamed up to to make this project happen but you're obviously instrumental in that like well well listen i think in in in, when it comes to work doing a cigar for espinosa as in comparing comparison doing one for knuckle sandwich at the beginning, we made we made cigars that we liked, uh, you know, and, and they had to be cigars that Eric liked, you know, because they had to have a particular profile, particular taste, because, you know, we, we were still a small company. But we learned that you you don't make cigars just for your palate, especially if you're trying to, you're trying to conquer the world. You know, if you're trying to, you know, you're trying to hit every, you know, you're trying to hit all the different palates out there, you have to make cigars for everybody for the for the masses that's why it took us several years to make a connecticut and you know why it took us several years to make a connecticut nobody in, the smokes, well, nobody in the office smokes connecticut i didn't and then you know it's not until we hired jack five years later that we had a we had a true we had a cigar smoker who truly liked connecticut for guy i think it's a little different uh we have to make a cigar that he really likes because, you know you know because it's it's going to be his it's going to be, you know, there's, it's, we're going to make far fewer of those cigars than we're making the for Espinosa. And it has to be a cigar that he can really say, man, this is, you know, and that's, and, and we, we really managed to do that. We really, really managed to, to hit the nail on the head uh, with Habano and then the, and the Maduro. And the Connecticut is just, you know, a, a necessity. You need to have that gateway cigar in your portfolio. And that's where the Connecticut came in. Hector, what do you think is the what's probably the most the most con- I, I asked you this years ago and you had an answer for it. I just want to see if it's maybe the same or maybe if it's changed. What's the most what's the hardest blend that you've ever worked on? The most complex, the one that took the most tries or the most challenging what that you wanted to put Connecticut. Into? I mean, listen, we did okay. Candela. We made Candela for we we went to Nicar I went to Nicaragua to make pickle juice for Moya Ruiz. And listen, Candela was while it was the number one cigar wrapper cigar imported cigar back in the through the through the, through the 40s and 50s yeah. even into the 60s uh there's a lot of bad candel out there so yeah. uh to to fit what they wanted to do they wanted a candela that wasn't grassy uh that you know and and we went and i, I that's a I tall order these, but okay it was and we made a couple of candelas listen can you make as, me a candela hector that doesn't taste like candela yeah, can you make it, it's not great. Yeah. Uh, so we we tried the best we could, but I think the hardest thing was making the Connecticut, because I remember coming back and Eric's like, "Is it good?" I said, "We well, were asking the wrong guy." I think it's okay. It tastes okay, but I mean, I'm not. I don't have that. You know, I don't have that experience with Connecticut's because we made a Connecticut that's not really. It's not your grandfather's Connecticut, right? It's uh. And it's you know it's it's a little different kind of cigar. It's got it's still got a little bit of pop to it, still got a little bit of spice to it, but uh, 
you know, six years later, I guess we 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 did hit the nail on the head. But Candelo, the Crema's done very well for us with the with the Connecticut. So, but that was still that was the hardest thing we ever had to do. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably one of the most fascinating things about your your ability there, Hector, because like you've said that to me for years. Like Connecticut's always challenging, blah blah blah. And that like Crema, obviously my number one cigar of the year. I do like the knuckle sandwich Connecticut real lot. The six oh one black, which was I know was a limited. That was really good. So the one I did for Cornelius, I thought the one I did for Cornelius and Anthony, I thought was very good area. That was the, the aerial, yeah. That was very the one I did for Protocol Themis, that was very good as well. I mean, so I mean, it's so you may not guy, smoke it, but you certainly have an act for blending. Yeah, that's it's funny because Coop says, you know, what you're doing with Candela, I said, yeah, I think I, what you're doing with Connecticut, yeah, I appreciate it, but it, it's hard because I just I don't smoke, I I just don't smoke yeah. a lot of it. And the company's history has shown that. Because you know, prior to to Crema, you had six hundred one white, and you had um, six hundred one black. Both Connecticut's that you know, six hundred one black was. I, I really forget. Time. I, you know, I forget six hundred one white. I forget that. Yeah, that, that's my that's my point. <laughs> that, that was I I I, I have made some pretty good candelas. But I mean, some pretty good Connecticut. You got me on Candela all of a sudden. Sorry, I've made some pretty good. No, no, I've made some pretty good Connecticut. It's just yeah. a shame I don't they. It's, it's they're they're not my go-tos, you know. But but I I have no I have no nobody's complained so far. So I mean, you know, you can see I how I got okay. wispy-eyed though. Like at the very beginning when you're talking about you know going off into your golden years, you know, like there. This this is this this is my point though. Like I was talking, we we we've talked about this on this show. We've talked about it privately, and I've mentioned it on my other show that I do with Coop as well too. Like you know, texture for all you know for all that you do and then again this is outside of connecticut too like there's something about your distinct style the what we call the espinosa signature you know what what eric adds to it that you guys just get like it just hits my palate like there haven't been many cigars that you've released in the last few years in the last six specifically where i could just be like man mm, now yeah, Listen, we, it. I, you know, I, we, we, all of them haven't been home runs. I mean, so all of them haven't been. Yeah, home I runs. can only I, think of one that I just didn't really like. Like, I, like, look, and that's just the truth of it. Like everything look, else the, has just the, been a banger. The dread, the dread, and reggae didn't do well. And, uh, Fucking smoke they, phenomenal though it was good. They, they, yeah, but they, they didn't do well. They didn't so well. And uh, I, I think, I think more importantly is the fact that we're making cigars from two different places. And they yeah. haven't lost our, you know, our the cigars that I blended at AJ's taste like our cigars. They taste like Espinosa cigars, which was very, very important to yeah. us when we went over there to start making cigars. We wanted to make we wanted to make sure we didn't lose our, you know, our signature, and we haven't. So <clears throat> that's that's also been that's also been a blessing as well. I think the the challenge for you over the next few years too, because I know I know we kind of joke about it, but I mean I know how much Eric loves it, and it's kind of blown blown out of your palate as Habano. But yet you still manage to again with that Espinosa signature, you still manage to make these projects taste different. Just, you have to look the, the, the those days. Tim Tim's been in the industry longer, and I'm sure Tim can tell you how many times he's picked up a cigar from a manufacturer and said. Oh, this used to be whatever. <laughs> this used to be uh, this used to be something else. Yeah. They just put a new band on it. You can't do that anymore. Uh, retail retailers are smarter. Consumers are incredibly much yeah. more informed, uh, and not just not only from what they read, 
from from, from what they do these groups that they're in whether it's a facebook group or a uh, you know, uh, what do you call that? Uh, what do you call that other thing that, that McTavish likes to do? The uh, the Discord groups or... Yeah. These guys talk to each other and they share cigars among each other. And there's the the, the worst thing you would ever want from them to go, oh, this used to be something else. So um, right. that's always that's always the, the most important thing is that nothing tastes like something else. Well, I think like yeah. years ago, like before we got into the Candela and Connecticut talk, the I think I asked you this question maybe on my second, <laughs> second. I think the second or third appearance you made on my show, Hector. I said, like, "What was the most complex blend you worked on?" And and I think at the time you were like the Gent was probably the most. The complex gen- oh, any those those cigars I made for Cornelius. This yeah. is a man who walked in and said, "I grow Burley." I own Burley. I'm sending you Burley, and I want Burley as binder in my cigars. Right. Well, how about this? I want, and he was, and listen, Steve was a great guy. Steve was a very nice guy. I made a couple of cigars for him that I went to him right before a release. I go, are you sure? And he goes, this is what I want. The mistress. Yeah. The mistress was just disrespectfully strong. Disrespectfully strong. Disrespectfully strong. strong. And he loved it. The gent, I thought the gent was a great Habana. Uh, you know, and then obviously the word got out that, you know, why does this taste so different? This has a different taste. It's really, the nicotine level is really high on this. It's really smoky. And then eventually the word got out that it was a, you know, American binder. And then people started to realize it wasn't, wasn't broadly. If it wasn't Comstock, it wasn't, uh, Pennsylvania broadly. It was, uh, it was Burley. Yeah. And people just did their, people did their, their people did their research. Right. He grows tobacco. He, you know, they, they figured it out. But that was hard. I mean, listen, that Burley, uh, <laughs> that to make a cigar with Burley was a, was a. I remember making twenty or thirty brands to to come, you know, to to come up with those five or six that we did. So, Tim, you've you've smoked a lot. We joke about this a lot too. Like you've you've smoked a lot over the years. In the last six years, not necessarily limited Espinosa, but like your own port, the other portfolios that you've represented, or just the market at large. Because I know you smoke a lot of different stuff. What's one of the most interesting complex blends that you've that you've happened to smoke over the years? The last well, six. you know, I think that I think the um, for my palate, obviously, you know, I, my one of my favorite dailies is smoking with Dion. You know that how much respect I have for Dion. I think uh, you know Hector has the same respect. The guy has a great palate, and and his blending philosophies hit mine. Um, I think you see a lot of that that, that impact with Aganorsa now. I mean, what, I think Aganorsa, their stuff is is you know a lot of it's phenomenal. Uh, I think that that's you know um, for me uh, as a quote unquote newer brand, uh, I, I do smoke a lot of uh, you know um, you know. So I think that that's kind of uh, you know taking Nicaragua and kind of moving away from that that whole um, it's always a strong tobacco. It's it's got spiciness it's got that how do i you know work other stuff in with it how do i you know treat that leaf so i can get more variety out of something that's a primarily nicaraguan blend and i think that that's where where i think the the fascination for me is, is what you know how nicaragua is developing more and more broader uh tastes out of um something that's 80 percent nicaragua 100 percent nicaragua how do you get there you know how do you and they're starting to to blend those kind of things to, to reach more palates and i think that's that's absolutely fantastic because i i you know, I prefer Nicaragua to anything else. Um, and I think that the variety of, of what you're available from Nicaragua and the brands that are coming, um, you know, and that's kind of hard because what I've noticed in my portfolio is that 
I have two primary factories that most of my stuff come out of, whether I work for AJ or not, a lot of my portfolio comes from, you know, from AJ's tobacco. And, and, you know, uh, now with La Galera, I'm starting to notice I've got a couple of brands that are using a lot of Hochi's tobacco too. So how do they take those, those their tobaccos and, and what their philosophies are and create a broader uh, spectrum of stuff. And that's, you know, part of a, that the bigger factories and the smaller factories are doing that and getting more out of, of other stocks of tobacco and, not, that's not just taking other countries, but how do I process? How do I ferment? How do I age to get a different flavor and a different profile out of the stuff that I'm, I'm making? And I think that's it's been fascinating to see that that evolution of, of Nicaragua tobacco. It's not what it, it's something that came to mind when you said Hochi, and it's not certainly not the most complex blend that I've tasted, mm-hmm. but I've really enjoyed it. Is but we talk about these collaborations, and you know, Hector's been a part of some collaborations too, and everything, but. We talk about like the the Espinosa signature, you know, certain brands have signatures. AJ has a signature too, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very distinct. Absolutely. But I think the San Latino Dominicano uh, that he did with Hochi is probably one of the more unique blends that have come out from, frankly, either one of those guys, just because it doesn't really taste like Hochi. And it certainly, and right. it, but and it doesn't not, take like AJ. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah. And it's just, yeah. and I, I think it's when, when blenders like do something like that, you know, as much as I love the Espinosa signature and stuff that, that Hector works, you know, with, you know, I think, man, when you can, when you can kind of, I guess, to put a, to turn about a phrase here, break character a little bit with it, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's a very unique experience for your consumer base. Now you don't want to do it too much, right? Cause then you lose, you kind of lose your path. A little bit but anytime you can kind of kind of play around with it you know in, in in hector's case it was the burley or you know the candela or something like that but you know you can you can have a lot of fun too at the same time and it's yeah. well, what, what's ironic too is that that particular cigar uh even though you know it it um got a lot of uh of you know um attention initially and uh, you know because i remember they presented it you know right when it came out at the big smoke and everybody absolutely loved it but it doesn't always translate. That was one of those lines that didn't quite pull its weight. And so I know that the, the Dominicano has sort of been cut back production-wise because it didn't really sell. It wasn't AJ. It wasn't Hochi. And it was kind of, you know, people liked it, but they didn't know what to kind of think about that because you're merging two very distinct blending styles and tobaccos into one cigar. And sometimes that really works on a consumer level. Sometimes it really doesn't. Um, so I know that cigar, we tried very hard to kind of get that, you know, into the stores uh, online with all the other San Latino, uh lines, and it didn't quite uh, have the, the the reach that we wanted um, for that line because it was so different, and people were a little bit confused by it. You're absolutely correct by yeah. that. Sometimes those collaborations work. Sometimes they don't necessarily as 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 you want them to, you know. So, but you know, it's one of those things where again, like one of those motion pictures where you've got, you know, right, you've got George Clooney and you've got you know. Sure. You know you put them together it sounds like a great movie but when it comes together right up, yeah. it doesn't necessarily work you it may know? not work yet the so last here, action hero it's like the last action hero yeah yes. no kidding right? sure that's so a good here, example <laughs> here, here's a question here's a question for both y'all like which and it doesn't have to be something you created hector or something that you've represented tim over the years mm-hmm. uh but something comes to mind too like the ad the ad read i did earlier for drew estate right chateau real for me was one of the best cigars 
and the, the the specifically the brick and mortar that I worked with for for years with Michaels, that was our fucking banger of a smoke. Like that was something we I mean we sold the shit out of it. And but for the rest of the world, it just got got lost in the minutia. Unfortunately, I think I think it's really cool that they're bringing it back. But what's one that kind of broke your heart over the years? Like, man, this is such a fucking amazing smoke. And well, it for just, it for me, it was for me it was the nineteen fifty nine. I you know that was I, the Toronto nineteen fifty nine. Oh my god, that was a great smoke. The Holy Exodus, shit. Yeah, oh. the Exodus. Un- unfortunately, oh. I went through so many production pro- uh, changes that it, it was different at the yeah. end. It wasn't the same cigar it was when I, I got mean, it in two thousand four. I mean, for I, sure. You know, and one of the one of the cigars I loved, and I'll never. I don't. I don't. I know they don't make it anymore. But when I first got a, I've been going through my my office in the last couple of days. Going through old papers and things, and I found uh, I did an event back in 1995 at the PBA with the Police Benevolent Association, and uh, Nestor Miranda was the first sponsor of that event, and he had a cigar called the Don Tomas International, which was my the first cigar I ever had with Brazilian wrapper. Interesting. I love that cigar. I never saw it again. It was I. I think it was gone by '96 or '97. Don Tomas uh, International. Don International, and the number nine was the the size. It was a six by six by fifty two or something like that, or six wow. by or five and a half by fifty two. It was a what a great cigar that was. Yeah, but that cigar yeah. is that cigar is now gone. Uh, only to the it's only now in in, in the books. It's in the books, but for me the Tarano's yeah. all the different nineteen fifty nines were were, were my were my favorite. The finite too. Mm-hmm. That was that cigar was the shit. From Tarano oh, specifically, God. that one, yeah. That I, yeah. I, I have two specifically, and I, I kind of chuckled when Hector said uh, Brazilian tobacco because the one of them was very obscure. It was the um, Jesus Fuego, the uh, the Origen or the Origin when he came out with that. Yes, that okay. was one of the first cigars I ever smoked that had that Brazilian wrapper on it. Was that and the one? Like, that was that the one in the five pack? Yeah. Well, it originally little, it started as the Bellicoso, and then it became that five pack, the little right. and a little draw the first size, pack, yeah. Correct, and that cigar, I just, I was like, "What is in this?" This, I mean, I, I bought every one I could, and I was sad. And then Sangre, Sangre de Toro, I think. It was de Toro, I didn't like that yeah. one as much. The original origin, origin was better. The original and that was one better. of them. Right, and on the Torano side, my favorite was always the signature, the one that Cuevas made. It had the Brazilian um, Matafino wrapper oh, on it, dude, and they yes. made yes, the copper color wrapper, and it had uh, a perfecto that I absolutely loved. And Charlie Tarani just got my case. Like, do you smoke anything else? I'm like, why? This cigar is fucking fantastic. That, that's what I want to smoke. Right. And that was the one that I, I loved in Tarani line more than anything. I smoked that one religiously. So those are the two for me that just kind of disappeared. And I, and I know you can still get the signature online. I know they still make it for Cigars International, but, you know, it's not the same. It's, you know, compared to what it was before when it was coming out of the Quaylas factory. And that, those two for me were just fantastic. I've heard it's still being made. I haven't seen it since, man. But like when Grace Santolongo left the industry, that Hechicera, the original Hechicera, like that that cigar was fucking money, man. That 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 was fucking good. The Sublime too, like the brand Sublime. I still don't know. Like I know a lot of shit when it comes to this industry. Like I like like Hector, we're talking about the baseball statistics that are in our head. I know manufacturers, blend composition. You know, I couldn't put it together myself. I'll leave that up to Hector. But like, I still don't know anything about that blend. 
I don't know who that, makes uh, it. That's like, who... like it's like Curavari. Curavari, yeah. Bla- you know, you love yeah. the cigar, but you're yeah. like <laughs> Gloria de Leon. Yeah, Curavari, Gloria de Leon. Love that fucking no. cigar. I can tell you. I can tell you. I can tell you some tobaccos that are in it just because I know what it tastes like. But I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who anything else about it. It's freaking great though. They're great. So, but. But yeah, I mean, specifically ones that broke my heart, you know, the Hecha Sierra, Sublime, like they just didn't really make it, you know. And Sublime was, if you think about it, they 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 were they made a top twenty five for CBA yeah. one year, uh, you know, and, and there's always that, you know, there's always that cigar that shows up on CA, and then it just didn't, you know, it didn't, you know, didn't do it. I think the next year, Matilda made the top twenty five, and you know, uh, you know, they 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 just didn't nothing, you know, they didn't. Sublime really didn't. I know Matilda's still out there. But I just I don't think Sublime made anything else after that. Yeah, I mean, until they're still there. I mean, Enrique's chugging along too. The the exposures are his the the new thing that he's been hitting the market with that are that are actually really doing really well and stuff. But yeah, yeah, Sublime that that cigar is freaking great. I mean, just one cigar I never could get, but I remember a lot of people on our staff were really bad. It was like nine, the ninety miles. Oh, that was wasn't that a Tarana cigar? No, that's uh. They're out of Miami. Yeah, what's your name? The they they own a shop out of Miami. Oh, um, is that Bayo Bayo cigars? Uh, um, Yachty. Oh, no, her... yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. I know exactly. Yachty Gonzalez, I think her name. Yachty, is. Yachty, yes, Yachty. yes. Yeah, her her husband at the She's... time was a store owner, and they yeah, that, I remember. Yeah, that, that's their brand. So wasn't I think they still the, make it. Wasn't it Florida Gonzalez? I think it was called. Yeah, Florida Gonzalez. I think you're correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah Florida Gonzalez, and then Ninety Miles. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I it it never hit my palate, but like it was a it was a big fan favorite in our shop, and but it 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 just never caught on with our with our base either. And that was another example too, like of just like cigars that break your heart because it's like shit. It just Thank God happen. there's still a lot of good cigars. There's still cigars yeah. out there that we can. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, that we're still fond of, so that's good. Sure, I mean, and you remember these days when you work some retail too. I mean, you ha- there's only so much real estate you can have in the humidor. Sure. So like quarterly, we would do what you know, like basically like a purge of you know stuff. Unfortunately, man, some of the some of the cigars that ended up on that table, man, just oh god, it killed me, it just killed me. Um, but man, when they don't move, they don't move. You know, you got to find stuff that you know, stuff, you know. But like you said, luckily there's there's just stuff that's out there, which is great. So. Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for 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 sharing some stuff over the last six years and celebrating my sixth anniversary here today. We've got some more questions, obviously coming up. We're not going anywhere, guys. But uh, this is our. We'll kind of go into our some of our fun segments, which of course are our uh, presidential trivia segment, which is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring Lagia Nevada and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. So, of course, this is my sixth anniversary, so we're going to talk about the sixth president of the United States, Mr. John Quincy Adams. So which of these is absolutely untrue? It's multiple choices always, guys. So which of these is absolutely untrue about our sixth president, John Quincy Adams, the son of John Adams, uh, which was our the second president. But John Quincy Adams was our sixth president. Which of these is untrue? <laughs> All right. Is it A? Was a lawyer with a law degree from Harvard. B argued before the Supreme Court and won. C was an ambassador at one point. D is the only former president to serve in the House of Representatives after he was president. Which of these is untrue? 
Here are the answers again. Was a lawyer with a law degree from Harvard, argued before the Supreme Court and won. That's B. C was an ambassador at some point. D was the only former president to <laughs> serve in the House of Representatives after I, he was president. I think it's, I'm going to uh, go with Harvard. So A, I think I'm going to say uh, argued in front of the Supreme Court and won. So Hector. Tim is actually correct. He was a lawyer, but he actually worked his way up as in, through an apprenticeship. He did get a master's wow. degree from Harvard, but it was not in law. Oh, wow. so yeah. So uh, he did argue before the Supreme Court, and it was uh, U.S. versus Amistad. The, the the whole movie about Amistad and stuff. He oh, actually, that's yes, right. Yeah, yeah, he took that all the way to the Supreme Court and and won. And those those uh, those uh, those slaves were returned back to Africa because they were. Landed illegally here in the states and stuff. So do you, uh, bad lawyer. Do you uh, <laughs> do you listen? You're a, are you a podcast listener? Absolutely not. Why would I do? Yes, of course I am. <laughs> do you do you listen to the podcast? Uh, presidents or people too? Yes. That's a, that's that's a pretty. It's, I, it's I, a good one. I, it's a good one. It's only like twenty minutes long or twenty three minutes long, but those are pretty funny. Yeah. I really, uh, those are pretty educational. Yeah the the book that 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 Miguel and I have shared. And I've bought. I think I've booked. I've bought this book for presidents for a bunch of people Miguel included too is like how to fight with presidents it's a satirical essay they're satirical essays on each president like what how what you would do to actually beat them in a in a fight essentially and it just gives you background on each president so it's like really comical uh like I said, it's very satirical it's 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 a fucking hilarious book oh my god because and i love the introduction because it talks about it and it and nothing sums up this, and 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 uh, I've I've said this several times on the show. And Oliver Navo actually asked me this once too. He's like, "Man, where did where's your where's your knowledge come from on this? Like, why are you like why are you obsessed with presidents?" And I was just like, "I was like, man, the pre- like you, history in general is just so fascinating. But like the presidents that the the people, the men that have made up the president of the United States, like office, the executive office for you know last two hundred fucking plus years, it's just like they're fucking crazy." Like you have to be fucking crazy to run for president and then actually be president. You have to be nuts. well nowadays for sure. <laughs> yeah, like well, no, even that. Like at some point, like you're okay when you wake up every morning as president of the United States, you are loved by half the country and hated by the other half. Unless you're Nixon, everybody hates you. Yeah, I mean, yes, there are exceptions, but like it's just, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Like, who would want the fuck? Who would want to do this? I mean, well, and, you know, we've got so many people who could be qualified and do a good job as president, but nobody wants the job of the most powerful man in the world because yeah. it's exactly what you're saying, what you got to go through to get there, what you, you know, and what you go through on a daily basis. Who wants that job? You know, you got to be nuts. You're either Joe Biden or you're Donald Trump. Who wants that job? Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, it's they're so polarizing. Yeah, they everything you do is just measured with a microscope. You know, again, every decision you make is loved by half the people and hated by half the people. I mean, you have to have an ego of monstrous proportions. You know, as much as everyone says that, you know, I'm gonna try to get political here, but as much as everyone said that, like Donald Trump has a huge ego, like, dude, every fucking president had an ego, like just. Like, I mean, everyone can applaud George Washington for saying, like, you know what? I'm giving up the power after two terms. Like, after that, it was it. Like, that was that was the most humble thing a president's ever fucking done. And then after that, it's just like it's just straight up ego after that. Like crazy. Just absolutely nuts. But I, I still love 
because I mean they're just they're just fascinating individuals. And some are some are bland as shit, but man, there's so many there's just so many incredible personalities. It's crazy. So, but yeah, that's uh, fantastic. That is our United Presidential Trivia segment, which is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring Lagion and Vena, and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron. And now Alfonso Lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. So, gentlemen, this next segment uh, it has to do with some food, and it's brought to you by, of course, this is Everybody Eats, sponsored by Pastania Cigars. If you always make sure <laughs> that your serving style is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastania Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with Pastania. Everybody eats. So, gentlemen, here it is. What is... The, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. So what is your favorite dish to make or share with other people? Rice and black beans. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean traditional Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be Thanksgiving related. It's just like, I, when I, I've been asked this question quite a bit lately. It's like, what's your favorite holiday? I'm like, man, man I'm a Thanksgiving guy. I love, love making, I love, I love cooking for family and friends. I love, there's nothing there's nothing more fun and nothing actually, you know, not to get too poetic here, nothing more beautiful than putting a plate of food in front of somebody that you've made and then watching them enjoy it. It's a very intimate thing, which I'm sure you're familiar with Hector. I mean, this, the cigar making the cigar probably has that appeal for you as well. Yeah. But here's, I think uh, the Thanksgiving day thing for, for as a first generation, as, as the, as the child of Cuban, of Cuban parents, uh, we, I didn't have a lot of the Thanksgiving. They've hoard the Thanksgiving holiday. Latins have, uh, you know, there's turkey, but then it's rice and black beans and yuca and all the, you know, we have all our traditional side dishes. Uh, it's, you know, I, I, I really, there's no dish. I, I like as for me, it's the turkey. I, since I make the turkey, the turkey is the biggest deal. Uh, the side dishes vary from year to year, depending on what my children want. Uh, they want a, they wanted a green green bean casserole, which uh, went almost uneaten because <laughs> a lot of green beans. So kind they of they don't, they don't like cream of mushroom soup out of a can. No, they. I mean, listen, they. It's it it, it just is, you know. Uh, and we're not a big family. I mean, I don't come from a big family, and uh, so we. I don't really have that tradition maybe my children will but uh yeah. it's well, it, i i just i enjoy the turkey the turkey is my favorite part of the thanksgiving meal. and that's and i'm the exact i'm the exact opposite i've got a big family so traditionally we have three thanksgiving dinners my mom's family my dad's family and then our you know immediate family just my my brother's sister and um i usually get side duty because you know you you've had thanksgivings for you know 50 years of my life so everybody make something and usually i get a sign so i like doing traditional i like making mashed potatoes i love making stuffing um and because you know we're uh we're you know uh, uh asians here there's always asian dishes my mom likes making a chinese thanksgiving as i call it she makes a rice dish kind of like a paella which is very asian that my family loves so i try and be the, the police of traditional I want to make a, a mashed potato that's got cream and it's got butter and it's got, you know, truffle oil, all that kind of stuff. And, and 
they look at me as like, you know, this is fucking delicious because we don't normally eat a lot of rich dairy products. And same with the stuffing. You know, it's got the sausage. It's got, you know, um, the, the breading and things like that that are not traditional to an Asian diet. So I want to I want a very traditional Thanksgiving. So I make my sides very tra- you know, traditional because uh, um, I want that to be part of Thanksgiving, you know, because we don't, those are things we get to eat once a year, really. So that's why I try and keep it as traditional as possible. I, I asked you this before, Tim, I could, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember like it was, it was the, the, the question basically the, re, summed up like this, is it rice or beef, like rice or noodles? And I know that they're mm-hmm. very prominent, both were prominent in your house growing up and everything like that. But what, what, what was it? Was it always rice? It was always rice. Always you know, rice, rice is every day. You yeah. had rice, rice every day. Even if we traveled, my mom had to have white rice once a day. So we had to have some sort of some Chinese food or some sort of cuisine that featured, and it couldn't be like Mexican rice or it couldn't be, you know, pilaf. It had to be white rice. And it's part of a, our culture too, because I think I said this to you, but it's absolutely true. When you say hello to somebody, the traditional question is, which is, have you eaten rice today? That's how you say hello, is have you eaten your rice? And so it is such a part of our, our culture that, I mean, and, and it's the main course. Like, have you ever had a true Chinese family dinner? They put all the dishes on the Lazy Susan, and everything is sort of a side dish to that bowl of rice that you're eating. Um, so it is very important to us uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think... Uh... Yeah, it's just like my yeah. favorite dish for me. That's fun. why rice and black beans is weird to me because we never put beans on rice and I just, just right. eat the rice. <laughs> you can keep the beans separate, you know. It's just that's a weird combination. We're rice, eater, we're rice eaters too, but you know, we, yeah, it's yeah, just a different. Yeah, that's different. We got to have our beans. Right. Uh, whether you got to have brown to go with whether they're green or they're moros. You got to have moros. Moro Cristiano or you know gallo pinto or. Uh, lentils, or there's always some bean dish being made to keep it house. Well, yeah, I Absolutely. think that's what's really interesting about the three of us, right? So, like, I'm Mexican, Hector's Cuban, and you're, you know, Chinese, Tim, and then that, like, rice is very prominent part of all three of our childhoods growing up. They're all, they're just different. You know, you had white, mine was, you know, Mexican rice, or what people see as Spanish rice, which is, you know, you know, rojo, which is just red. You know, it's just red rice. You know, or or mm-hmm. like amarillo too. So like yellow rice too. But I know that that's uh, yellow rice in, in the Cuban household. The Cuban household too, right? Uh, right, right. Yeah, there's there's some yellow rice dishes. Uh, a lot of that uh, ropa Valencia, a little smaller grain rice though. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's all over the place. I mean, even Italians do rice. They get with risotto. You know, like like rice is everywhere. It's like one of those great. It's one of those crazy dishes that's kind of spanned the uh, span the the cultures and stuff like that. So, Hector, did you ask the answer to the question? Was, was rice and beans yours? Like what? Like yeah, rice. We, I love. We like to. We we're rice and bean people. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, terrific. Well, that was our Everybody Eats segment sponsored by Postania Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postania Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. Pastania, everybody eats. So before we go into a couple of other sponsored segments to kind of cap off our evening, gentlemen, there there was something I wanted to kind of bring up, and it, this kind of came up with Matt Ty last week on uh, on uh, Take Two Seventy. 
but I thought you guys would be able to offer a unique perspective on it just because of your two different perspectives. You know, we, you know, this is about the time that, you know, we would still be talking about, you know, we're November, you know, four months removed from the PCA trade show. And this is about the time we'd still be talking about it. Right. It'd still be kind of, it would still be relatively new and relevant, at least like, you know, some of the releases have already come out. Maybe some releases are scheduled to come out like beginning of January. But I think for the most part, new companies have already kind of churned them out. And we're already looking forward to the next PCA, but this year it's different. It's not in the summer. It's going to be in the spring. Um, so I just kind of wanted to get some thoughts from the room here. Like, how is this going to change the way that you do business and the way that you've kind of put together plans and strategized before? And, you know, Hector, I know you leave a lot of that up to, you know, Eric, Eric, Eric and Eric Jr. and stuff, but like, I mean, it's, it's got a, you know, production, any new projects that you're working on? I'm not necessarily looking for an insight. Well, no, but... actually, I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty much, I'm integral in that part. And Tim will tell you from his time with us. Uh, usually after the show, you get a, I would get a two to three month respite. That, you know, we're not concentrating on next year yet. We're worried about getting what we showed at the show out. Uh, this year was not the case with the show being nine months after this trade show it was immediately working on next year's products so next year is a new six province we already have that we have that in the hopper the warhead 10 for next year the that'll be at the show that'll be at the show yeah that'll be at the show oh wow it's the, you know so we were you know we turned around already and we have that uh the chef special uh, we're launching a, a new core line in January TV. So I mean, we we these are things that we already had going as soon as, as soon as we came back from Vegas, and we got those two or three days to make sure we didn't have COVID and <laughs> try to catch our you know try to catch our uh, our combined breaths. We were we were back on what are we doing for next year because there's just the there's such little turnaround this year. So we're we're ready. We're ready for the show. Yeah, no outbreak yeah. this year. And I, so that was nice. I can second that uh, with the with the brands that I represent. They, you know, even though it's a compacted schedule, um, they know that the that they're, what the production times are going to be. So, you know, you you either expedite it or you plan sooner to have that, that kind of stuff. And even if you can't, you know, uh, have it ready to ship April, you want to have at least be able to to show it and say it's going to come May the production's actually going to be done so you know there are ways to adapt to that that compacted schedule and uh, you know we all are kind of familiar with it um you get used to that kind of things you know with tp's not a fine example that show got added three or four years ago so again initially you know you covered both shows there wasn't a lot of new product at tp well now you know now that it, it can be planned for and there's a cycle for it you can actually have you know releases at both shows so I think that that's not really going to be a problem, even though the schedule is compacted. It may not ship right away, but I think we'll be able to present them at both shows. I mean, we've, we've really made a concerted effort to have stuff to ship a month after the show. I mean, a month, mm -hmm. two months at the most. Uh, this year, we have everything. Everything that we showed at the show was out by September, except six provinces. Six provinces always takes a little longer because of packaging, but you'll see six provinces in the next couple of weeks. 
start to ship. And that'll, that'll, you know, we, I know a lot of companies do it and they do it, uh, they do it every year. I mean, I, I, <laughs> you know, some companies that are now just shipping their PCA exclusive, you know, we, we went through our PCA exclusive in the first, uh, I think we were, we were out of the chef special, like in by mid August, we were out of this year's chef special. Yeah. I mean, so we, we really, we hate having to make our retailers wait because yeah. you know uh you don't want to lose turns on 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 new things especially new product you know you don't want to lose your, uh you don't want to lose turns on that yeah and Tim, uh, you know to to kind of expand on that you're competing with all these other companies to get those dollars and retailers only have a finite budget so the sooner you can ship something the sooner you're able to collect payments on it because if everybody shipped it all at once, then it becomes a mess where, you know, you've got credit cards and everyone's banging the same credit card and all that kind of stuff. So the sooner you can release something, the sooner you can actually get paid for it. If it comes six months later, who knows, right? Their interest in that product may have changed. And so we try to be on schedule with that too, because we've come to, you know, realize that you're competing, you know, with everybody else. And so you want to make sure you get your share of that budget if they want to order that. And you can deliver it while they still have funds and have budgeted funds to, to buy that product. So if you ship it later, you know, that causes possibly problems later too. So we, we want to follow the, the formula that we had for TAA this year. I mean, mm -hmm. I think we were the only company that while they were at the TAA event was shipping TAA product. We we, we sacrificed a showroom to have the TAA ready to go. And uh, it was it was especially being our very first TA. Uh, I think it set it set the, set a good tone uh, for future future releases of the TA. That they saw that hey, once they ordered it, when they got back to their states, the stuff was already sitting in their in their shop. So that was uh, you know that was a, that was a really uh, that was really a, a good thing that we that we did there. And, uh, something we really want to follow up on this year again. Stuff. Awesome, gentlemen. Well, this we've got a couple more segments to go here. So this is our, our rapid fire segment. This is kind of like what I like to always ask, which is just kind of I it's I call it this or that. You know, and I just give you two choices and you pick one. So I uh, just got a few movie uh, a few choices here and everything. So uh wanted to throw a couple at you here. So we'll we'll stick with some cigar stuff here at the beginning. So Lancero or Lonsdale? Lancero. Mm -hmm. Lancero. Lancero for both of you? Yes. 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 Much to uh, much to Coop's chagrin here. That's nice. Wonderful. Well, you know, he's just a grumpy old man. What can I say? Yeah, he really yeah, is. But traditionally, Lonsdale and Lancero, there isn't much difference. You're talking two ring gauges. Right. It's almost yeah, the same cigar. So I think isn't isn't Alonso closer to a to a Corona Gorda anyway? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, forty three and four. It's thirty eight and forty two, forty three. Yeah, yeah, and so, and and our and the Corona Gorda is forty six. I mean, you know, it's forty six. Correct. Yeah, we're right there. All right, here's one that's uh, I'm interested to hear both y'all's, but specifically Hector, Rabito or Figurado? Rabito. I'll smoke the the, the rubito too. If you look, if you look at our portfolio, bear, 
we make three torpedoes, three belly coasters. That's it. Yeah, we but make... you have fun with that. Like when you do like some of the Espinosa Elite stuff, like you have fun with that size, though. But that's but that's not for general consumption. Sure. That's sure. for the 170 people, 150 people who are part of the lead. Yeah. But for a guy who never car- never carries a cutter, I work for a guy who never has a cutter. We <laughs> uh, we the the red we make a red, red torpedo, we make a blue torpedo, and we make sarsaparilla and a bellicosa. That's it. Uh, we don't we don't. I I'm looking back. Uh, that's it. That's it in our portfolio. We just yeah. don't do a lot of torpedoes. We don't do a lot of. Uh, Bellicosos, and we did one. Perf- we did a perfecto this year for the warhead, but that's a one and done. Right. You know, it's 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 not regular. It's not regular release. Must have been sad for the you original Murcielago had a Bellicoso. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the original Murcielago. The original Murcielago mm-hmm. had a Bellicoso. It did. Yeah. Must be sad for Eric that he didn't get to smoke the warhead this year if he never carries a cutter. Well, no, he did. He did, but he's, oh, he's not just, a warhead I just guy. Tease it. Yeah. But he's not a warhead guy, to be honest with you. It's a little strong for him, right? Which is interesting. It's just, it's not Habano. It's not Habano. It's It's true. true. The other thing, I've traveled enough with Eric, he likes to chew. So even for months after, when he came out to visit me, if I hit the brakes too hard on my car, a fucking half chew to go roll off the floorboards. I'm like, "Mm, yeah. (laughs) Those are the little love gifts he's left me. Chewed cigars in my car. Is it true? Like I, I heard this actor, Timmy, you obviously might be able to turn into. Like I, I heard that the reason that he moved forward with the project with Zuc- the Zucra wasn't not necessarily to break into the non-traditional market, but it was just because he liked chewing on them so much. I, I don't, I, I don't, I never heard that part, but I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Listen, I don't, uh, I don't. Acid is one of the best gateway cigars in the industry, if not the foremost gateway cigar in the industry. I don't smoke a lot of acid. However, I always have a couple of blondies with me when I go to Nicaragua because at the end of the day, after you're smoking cigars fresh off the table and you're smoking cigars uh, when you're working on blends. A lot of green, man. Nothing, n- nothing helps. Yeah. Nothing brings your palate back to life than, than having a, 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 a blondie. I mean, so I can see where, where, where that might be true. He does. I mean, I'm telling you, he chews, he chews a couple of cigars a day. Easy. Yeah. And he'll leave them lying around and you know, I've I've always said that I'm gonna one day I'm gonna sit and collect ten of them, and try to sell that as a special box. You know, of, I've done of, that. Of chewed, of chewed Espinosa cigars. You go on eBay. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Go on eBay. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I I love Eric for a lot of reasons, but like it was I was always unique about it. a lot of guys who have the carry the unlit cigar in their mouth and stuff carried in the middle, like or which. They're smoking it like this. They're carrying it in the middle of their cigar of their mouth. I, but he yeah, always he has it looks, to the, he always has it to the side, and I always yeah he always has it to the I side. Was, I it's he's he's probably the only brand owner manu, slash manufacturer that I know that does it, which is like a, a one of those like idiosyncrasies that you just notice about people. Like he's probably the only person I know who does it, and it's just one of those things that's just kind of kind of funny that you notice about him. But yeah, all right, cool. Um, kind of went off a little bit here on a diet drive. Uh, so Habano or Sumatra? Anything but Habano. Sumatra it is for Hector. What about oh, you, Tim? Gosh. I like both, but obviously you get a lot a lot fewer Sumatra cigars, so I smoke a lot more Habano. If I had to choose, I'd just smoke Sumatra because it's different from Habano because I smoke so much Habano. I, Bear, if you offered me 10 cigars 
if you offered me 10 different, you know, a Habano and this, a Habano and there were this, a Habano or the other one, I will always take the other one. Okay. <laughs> I, I will always fair take enough the other for, one. Fair enough for future questions for Hector. I mean, you know, it, it's just. There, there's it, not I'm, a rapper you like, Lee. There's not, a, there's not a rapper Leaf that you like less. Uh well, Can, Connecticut or Candela or yeah yeah but I, but I've grown I've I've grown fond of some Connecticut's I've started to smoke a little more Connecticut okay. so so still nice interesting yeah yeah interesting and I if, if, for me I mean it's still the Espinosa Bono is still like one of my go tos man it's one of my I got two cigars in the, my 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 rotation you know like that Tim talks about so much the the Espinosa Crema and the Espinosa Bono they're just always they're in there now. Um, Bono has been for years, man. I freaking love that cigar. I don't know what it is, you know, about it, but I just, it, it's timeless at this point. Now, Habano grown in Connecticut. I'm down with that. Yeah. I'm down with the H9. I'm down with that. I'm down yeah. with that 192, but, you know. For sure. Okay, so back to food for a little bit. We're going to have a little fun here. Chinese or Cuban? Chinese food or Cuban food? Tim's gonna say Cuban too. Uh, so just, you know, I don't know why you're. Listen, uh, daily, if it's you know, if it's like for just a, a quick meal, Cuban always. But if I'm going out, it's I'd prefer Asian food, whether it's Korean or Thai or Chinese or or going to have some jet or some sushi. I prefer that to going out to have Cuban food. Yeah. It's different for me. That's why I, I will always choose to have Cuban because I don't get it as often, you know, as we call Chinese food food. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm 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 very particular because my grandfather was a chef. You heard me say this, so I don't like fusion food. I don't like going to a place that's going to serve me a, an avocado egg roll. You've heard Jack and I go right. back and forth about this. You know, you know there there not, is a that's fun, not an there, egg roll. There is a funny story when Tim when Tim came to to work with us, Bear. Yes. <laughs> Just so you, one of those things that you you love Eric Espinosa about. So mm-hmm. your your new Chinese uh, West Coast rep is coming to Miami to visit, and you take him to eat Chinese food. Yeah, that's not only is he not only is he Chinese, he lives in California, where mm-hmm. possibly there there's probably no better Asian food in the world in the United States yeah. than on the West Coast. Yeah. And he took us but, there because he wanted to prove to me that he knew what Chinese food was. But like. Tim will tell you, Tim will tell you, when he got there, Tim mm-hmm. talked to the, the concierge or the, the guy, the head waiter mm-hmm. or the maitre d' and said some, said a few things to him in Chinese. And Tim turned around and goes, oh, this place is legit. The yeah, place, we can eat here. The place <laughs> is legit. The we can eat here. When you, yeah, you this, walked in do. and it was. This will do. This, we, is, not, we this walked, is not Panda Express. We can eat here. Yeah, we walked in. It was wall-to-wall Asian Chinese people oh, in that God. place. So. So that's that's always yeah. a good sign. That's always it's the kind sign. of place that had pink butcher paper with Chinese writing on the wall. I'm like, yeah, don't look at the yeah. menu. We'll take one of each of those. You know, that, yeah. That's what good you want to have. Good stuff. Yeah, Tim actually turned me on. Speaking of non-Asian food, like Tim's the one who, like when we had the pig roast at the Lozano Palooza that I went to where the show launched, you know, Tim was the one that turned me on. He's like, hey, dude, go for that. Go for the head. Like so, yeah. him and I are like Tim Chicken. and I are picking out the, the brains. The, the, oh, the cheek, yeah, the jowl, dude, is where yeah, it's the at. Chale. But yeah, you and I, you and I were going after the brain too, man. Like that shit was good. that's a hard. But... That's a hard pass. That's a hard pass. Yeah. I know. I know. Hector's you're out, was on a Hector, but... When they did the pig roast, they would fucking knock the heads off and 
serve those to me. I'm like, yeah, I don't want the rest of that. You can serve the rest to everybody else. Bring me the head. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hard pass. All right, so back to this or that. TV or movies? So TV shows I am or movies? A, I am a sitcom, Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max for I just I just finished watching Seinfeld again. I know you love Seinfeld. Oh God! <laughs> uh, I just finished. I just finished watching oh, that. I'm watching the I'm watching the new Frasier. I watched the old yes. Frasier. Love I it. watched Big Bang Theory, uh, Wings. Uh, any uh, underrated Will, Will, Wings Will, is underrated. Yeah, Un, Will and Grace. I am a I am a sitcom. The Goldbergs. I like a sitcom to be over, so I can you know I can I can watch the whole series. You know. But yeah. I'm a TV. Oh, he's a new Fraser, by the way. I like it. I, I like it. It's, it's not bad. Really yeah, it's, it's not bad. I, seen it yet. I, I thought mean, I would have loved... suck, but uh, so did I. But for it, but it's him. It's it's yeah. it's yeah. The only guy. Uh, oh my God, he just died too. Uh, John Mahoney. It's Mu- the dad. It, no, 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 no. Munch. Remember Munch? Oh yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Uh, he played. Ron he Order. played. Belzer. Ron Belzer played Munch in like six different shows. He yeah. was Munch on Homicide, on Law and Order, mm-hmm. on Law an Order episode SVU. of The Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. everywhere he went. He was Munch. Frazier's Frazier. It's yeah. it's mm-hmm. Frazier, and it's only like in episode three. But when they, I think by next year, when they get it, when they when they start getting, when Lilith shows up, and eventually Daphne, and you know, some yeah, of them, hopefully they, they can bring, bring David Hyde Pierce back because that'd be fucking. Great. I don't. I don't know if he's if he's down with it, but I mean, I've been from what I've read, he's not super excited about it. But uh, once, once, once Frazier, the, the, and I was trying to explain to the people at home, it's Frazier is now John Mahoney. He is yes. trying to, yeah, he is trying to get with his son. Like he tried to get with his father. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's a full, it's a full circle. It's moment, full circle. Man. Yeah. It's, it's a full, full circle, circle moment. moment. I love the little, the little, the little tidbit, you know, the, the, the bar that they hang out in that Eve yes. is, the bartender, is called Mahoney's. After mm-hmm. John Mahoney, like his dad, so like it's it it. Then, then there's it's some really, fucking nuggets in there. It's great. It's it's, it's and it's smart. Frasier's a smart TV show. Yeah, and the the, the guy who's his the guy who's playing, I guess, the role of his brother now. Yeah, uh, Alan. Old, yeah, his old yeah, friend. Alan. Yeah, his, his old is he's he's it's just like it's it's just like watching Niles. Yeah, it's just another version of Niles. You know, it really is. But yeah. uh, but this guy drinks a lot, and he's you know. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's yeah. funny. I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, and I'll I'll go the opposite way because I go to the movies like most of us so rarely now. You watch so much TV at home because everything's available to you. You yeah. miss the experience. I want the bucket of popcorn. I want the nachos. I want to sit uh, there for two hours. I want the I, sound. I, I can't go to movies anymore. Listen, I did watch. I just watched that new uh, The Killer with. Uh, yeah, is that good? That looks good too. On Netflix. The soundtrack's fantastic. There's like seven Smith songs on there. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, I, I saw yeah. Terrence's review online. Uh, I I thought it was good, but you know, I I don't but, know enough of know, that director's work to yeah. tell you. But I it was entertaining. But it was I, a very good know, two I, hours. I might go to you know three movies a year, so that that becomes a special occasion. Right? I want all the junk. I don't care if I spend thirty bucks on food, twenty dollars for a ticket. I'm going to the movies. I get I get, you know, the the sound system. I get I get all of it. And you know, being disabled now, they put me in the best seats in the fucking theater. The, the, the sitcoms for me are just like an old sweater. I mean, they're just, yeah. you know, you know the dialogue already. You know, it, you just it, you're listening to it for the third, fifth, tenth time. Yeah. They're just they're com- they're comfort food for me. That's why I, I do TV. For sure. 
All right. Now this is us. I know. I know. Um, not for our, not for our necessarily our kids or or relatives' kids or anything like that. But this is for us. Going back to your childhood, would you rather have been homeschooled or learned in the classroom? Mm, classroom. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Homeschool yeah. would have sucked for miles. God. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since I had Asian parents, I can't, I can't even fathom. Yeah, that would have fucked. That he would have had no. <laughs> he would have fucked up his curve. The map. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be even more screwed than I am now if I had to learn from mom and dad. And my, and my mother agreed with that. My mother sent me to summer school every year. I didn't need to go to summer school, but she yeah. thought it was important that I went to summer school. So they sent us all to Catholic school because they thought we'd get a better education going to Catholic school than we did to nice. public school. So there is that. If you want to take that into account. All right. So, would you rather be Mister Fix It, and by I mean by that, be able to fix things, but not only that, people rely on you to fix it—neighbors, relatives, etc. The works, right? You're always the fix it person. Or would you rather be everyone's shoulder to cry on? Oh God! Do you have another option? Yeah. <laughs> I thought this. I, oh. I wrote this one specifically for you, Mister Warmth. So this was this is. Important. I am. I am not Mister Fix It. What I know how to do, I do. I I do. I am not. Uh, what's probably the best way of saying it? I'm not experimental. If I don't know how to do it, I don't. I don't not... dabble in things. I don't. You know. Now with YouTube, everybody thinks they can do shit. Uh, no. Mm -hmm. Listen. I if I install a ceiling fan, I turn the power off to the whole house. Because I'm not. You know. I, I I'm not I don't want to die. Uh, you know that's an awful way to that's an awful way to be a side note and on a on a on a cigar blog. Oh, you know, <laughs> on was, was electrocuted today. You know uh, that's why this... I don't like. Uh, yeah, that no. Listen, yeah. I and being a shoulder for people to cry on. Oh man, that's tough. Yeah, I, God man. Oh shit. Uh, this is my entire toolbox. I call. I don't fix anything. Yeah, and so either. I'll take option number two. That's, that's what, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, if, given those two options, I'd rather have, I'd rather be your shoulder to cry on, but don't cry too long. Make it a small <laughs> problem. You got five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you five good minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, five. I'll give you five good minutes. You know, Juan's listening to us, and he's probably like, I, he's Hector said you give me five minutes to cry on his shoulder. Actually, Juan came to Lozona Palooza, and he was, he was very, he was very well behaved, very well behaved. Wants a new one. Worst one. Worst one. Hashtag worst one. All right. Uh, that's uh, that. That's our conclusion of this or that question. Thanks, guys. Thanks for participating. That leads into the last couple of questions for this evening, which is, let's talk about the asylum moment, which is always brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. Light up asylum. And choose your refuge. Now, this segment's been around for a couple of years now, guys, and 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 uh, I think both of y'all have taken part in it. But so, hopefully, we're not playing the repeat button too much. So let's go back to the last six years because that's the theme for tonight. In the last six years that you can remember, there's always those moments where it's just us and a cigar. You know, we do a lot of things socially. You know, you guys, Tim, you host, a, you know, you work a lot of events and retail shops. You know, Hector, you travel quite a bit for the company, obviously. But there's those few moments that we have every once in a while. They're just us and the cigar. And I think those can still be very powerful and pivotal in our life. Probably have several. But what's a moment that comes to mind in the last six years 
what were you reflecting on, if you can remember, and what was the cigar you were smoking, if you can remember? So, as as time goes on, I smoke by myself less and less. I I enjoy the aspect of the brick and mortar. I like sitting at the brick and mortar, and especially my brick and mortar. Uh, I, I I love the guys who go there. They're all great guys. Uh, very rarely do you see me smoke by myself. Even when I'm having a smoke in my office, uh, Jack's never more than six feet away. Uh, you know, there. So I'm we're there. I'm with somebody. But my last moment was uh, I want to say. Actually, I can tell you that it was. Let me get the date right. It was November of 2019, November of 2019, when I went to sign my retirement papers uh, that I was going, that I got into the retirement, into the drop, uh, which is, you know, once you sign those papers, that's it. You're, you're telling, you're saying that you're, you're, you, you've got a date that you have to leave by. And I remember signing those papers and I parked at the parking lot across from the county building on the top floor. That's a pretty nice view of Miami. And I was so kind of, I was a little overwhelmed that day. I just lit a cigar. I just sat in my car, put the windows down, lit a cigar. And then I kind of got out of the car and walked around the parking lot, the top level there, and looked at Miami and reflected back on 30 years at the time. It was 29 and three quarter years. And thought about all the things that, all the things that I would be giving, that I'm giving up, uh, all the memories that I had, all the memories that uh, won't be relived. And yeah, that was, that was it for me. As I sat there, I'm like, oh, you know, this is the next phase, you know, two years later, two and a half, well, two years and five months later, I was out. Uh, I was uh, walking out of the building and and never came back. I've only come back to visit once. So uh, that was it. That was the last time I had a cigar by myself. That was one of those moments that, you're, that your mind is elsewhere. You know, Hector, I, I, I always, I think I always, I, I tried to do a good job of always telling you how much I appreciated your work and your other, in your other life, so to speak. And you know, and it was a moment that I felt very important to like that trade shows was, was congratulating you on your retirement and stuff. But I don't think I ever thought about it the way you just described it, like how, you know, Listen, you when you leave, when you leave police work. Yeah, you're like, oh, I can't wait to retire. But, you know, you're leaving behind a, a brotherhood, of, you know, these guys that, you know, guys that have come and gone in your 30 years that, uh, things that you've done the the good things that you've done that the many good things that you've done that they'll never go and know that are going notice that people will never know about uh and the only guys who really understand are the ones who've worked with you and who have had the same experiences uh leaving going into the private sector is difficult i mean it is hard when you've always known the other side you know so that was uh that was a that was kind of a big deal. Tim, what about you? 
Um, I think one of the most memorable things that I did smoking on my own was um, when I was <clears throat> working on uh, one of the pure blends, the Oscuro. It's the third blend that we released. And as I'm starting to test the stuff, I'm actually in Lizona, uh, the factory. Have you been there? There, you've been to Lizona factory, right? I haven't. I haven't been to Lizona yet. No. Okay. So it has this second floor balcony, which is one of the you know best places to smoke hmm. in Esteli. And I'm there on my own for some reason because normally when I'm down in Esteli, I'm either on was on the AJ tour, or I was on the Espinosa tour. And you've got a group of people with you the entire time. And Hector was, you know, he's always been the guide through that process. We're like, well, here's where the the stash of stuff is. Grab some stuff, smoke, see what you like. We can work on it. And I just started picking stuff out and I was sitting on that balcony trying stuff and I'm just like this is the part of the business that I've always kind of wanted to be in and it's like this is something that's special to me that I got to do something on my own you know in SLE trying stuff and I'm you know, still in contact with Hector like this is this this is that but just that time that I'm smoking stuff on this is what I you know part of what I've been trying to get to in my you know career for, for you know and I was able to do that. Now that was a special moment, a special time for me because I got two hours, you know, whatever was left alone, just trying stuff and going, okay, this is this, this is that. And this is something that I've wanted to do the entire time that I've worked in this business and I got a chance to do that. And I thought that was just a fantastic place, the venue, the cigars, all of it was a fantastic experience for me personally, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Cool, cool. Well, thank you, gentlemen. That was our Asylum Moment brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. Light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Well, gentlemen, here we are. Last question of the evening. And uh, we're going to wrap up our sixth anniversary show with, as always, our last segment of the evening, which is our curveball segment brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Eight, count them up, eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Will he make it number nine? We'll find out here in a couple of months. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Sock. So, again, gentlemen, the theme tonight is six years. So I want you guys to look back. We're six years. We're at the second Lozana Palooza together. And uh, other than your both of y'all's deepest regret, which was sitting down for me and starting our friendships, uh, that would uh, would last the next six years. And I would harangue you into guys joining me on the occasional Sunday evening, super late. Well, late for Hector. It's like lunchtime for Tim. So, but other than that, well, this, this is all, this is like being on Fernwood tonight. You're, you're too young to remember Fernwood tonight, but Tim and me do. <laughs> this is the late, late show. But go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, Bear. I'm so, other than other than that, I want you guys to think about this uh, again. It's 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 a little daunting of a question to put on you and on the spot. So take a moment if you need to. Um, think about something that's happened in the last six years. And Hector, you might have touched on it, but it might be, might be something different. Where you would, where you kind of look back and wonder, what if? What if I'd gone a different direction? Well, what what would my career look like? What would my life look like? What in the last six years was that moment for y'all? Listen, uh, I, I 
had I not retired, had I not left when I left, I'd still be on the job for another uh another year or so. Uh and I'm kinda glad I'm kinda glad I left. I mean, especially the way things have happened down here. Uh it's it's uh policing is, is, is a different it's a different occupation now. Uh I think I left at the right time. I would have left a year earlier. It's just the the COVID money was just too good to walk away from. But uh, outside of, you know, the friends that you made and the guys that, you're, that are your brothers that you worked with, uh, that was it. I mean, listen, I, I could have stayed and I didn't. And I think I did. I made the right choice. Tim? Well, you know, I think about five years at the Arizona Palooza was when I first uh, made the decision to go from working for General Cigar to, you know, um, being a broker and possibly launching my own brand. And you wonder about that because, you know, whether that was probably the hardest job that I worked in because it's the 800-pound gorilla and, you know, it's very corporate. You do a lot of things, but, you know, they took care of us very, very well. And so you kind of wonder if I stayed there a few more years, you know, what, where would I be different? You know, would I be where I'm at? Did I have a chance to experience the things that I've experienced? Um, or would I continue to be, you know, the, uh, you know, cog in the machine? So you always wonder, well, if you stayed there, would you, what, what could I have made? What could I have done? But, you know, you don't feel like you're growing. So, you know, that, that choice is that, that I made the choice to kind of grow personally versus, you know, leaving a very, very, cushy job for less lack of a better word a very comfortable job you know and so you make that choice and you wonder where i you know, i could be um in terms of you know this industry being there versus being you know where i am now so those are always you can kind of look back and go did i make the right choice and obviously you, know, you think about both sides of the equation all the time you know and that, that's just one of the things you kind of dwell on because you know i still know a lot of people over there i see what they're doing and i'm wondering it's interesting you know what i'd be able to do what I was doing then, you know, for it, if it was now. So those, those are the kind of things that I, I wonder about a little bit, you know, sure. um, because it was a really nice place to be at the, you know, and so, but you got, you know, if you're going to grow, you got to take risks, right? And people say the same thing. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not to, to steal your thunder there, Tim, but and not to put too fine a point on it and be too braggadocious yeah. about it. But I mean, you know, it was a, it was a pivotal moment for me, you know, it went from, you know, I, at the time I had been working with Coop for a few months and on the po podcast partner, and I just threw an idea at him, you know, about me launching the show. And he's was so supportive and yeah. helped me launch it. Mm -hmm. And, and you guys were certainly a part of that too. Like I, that, again, this is Tim, this is why I invite you back every year. Like I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. The fact you were my very first take and I'll never forget that Hector was my number three, you know? And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was just happy. Somebody wanted to talk to me at the Arizona police. <laughs> who, uh, was your second, who was your second take Bear? Fernie Zacharias yeah yeah and then Eric Jr. Eric Jr. I know, that, was, I know that guy yeah Eric Jr. was a number a brief number four he was of course sick that year and he still stuck it out with me for a few minutes just to, to have a couple of questions and we brought him back um I think we brought him back a year later to have a full show and he did such a good job um and uh but like yeah no it was it was 
it was it was such a it, 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 it was a very canon moment for me um and I, I made so many wonderful friends that weekend and the, the people that are still i mean chrissy critchfield is watching right now you know i met her that weekend and her husband curtis you know they're fantastic people in this industry and if you guys like ever need a chuckle in your life like just follow chrissy on facebook because she's fantastic with all our memes like she's hilarious she cracks me up she'll steal your meme though she'll fucking steal it that's fine oh that's fine she can do that i steal some of hers because they're fucking hilarious i will i will tell you this though i don't i I know she's been very good about keeping it secret but i send her every time i see something that's too edgy for me to post i'll send it to her she'll post it remember i have you know, I you know my Facebook connects to a lot of a lot of people. She's she's always top three in my timeline. So every day I yeah, see something. Oh my god, dude, she's a a times, so. dude! I tell her this all the time. She's the fucking joy of my life, man. Like she just makes me laugh every day. That's yeah, fucking she'll, hilarious. She'll tell you she and she'll tell you this. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is one it. of those checklist things for me. I gotta yeah. go have tacos with her sometime. So sometimes yes, yeah. Tacos in a PSL, man. We gotta get the pumpkin spice latte mm-hmm. right upon the season with her. Or, yeah, or some little, part, little, little, like little, little, the little Debbie's like little Debbie's like festive cakes, you know. Yes. She like yes. was buying the Christmas trees in fucking yeah. September because little Debbie's is fucking crazy. Oh. So you put yeah, up her being a West Coast guy, I've never been in a Bucky's. So, <laughs> oh, that's well, she's been in all of them on the way to Florida. She's been, uh, yes, uh, I know. She, I saw that she put up her Christmas tree today, which is, <laughs> you know, I always, I always say that I'm going to be the first on my block to put up Christmas lights, and every year. Some shithead beats me to it. There is a guy down the street who has Christmas lights up, and we are still two weeks from Thanksgiving. Just people were putting I, him I up in September, guy. man. I, I, hate I saw that some. Guy. I, I I hate that guy. All right. So anyway, that's just that's my own personal. I just, geez, I'm never going to be first. Never, never, never. <laughs> it's the little things with me, man. It's the little things we can we can help you out, Hector. Next time, I'll just I'll just fly down the floor. We'll put them up, and we'll, or I'll just like go and plug that guy's lights. Like he will, he'll never have to know. Other than the fact that I I'm surprised that he, right? I'm surprised the I'm surprised the association hasn't said anything to him because we have a really really tough association. Uh, oh, that's next year the Lizona Palooza pre party at Hector's house. We're going to yeah, trim the tree. On. We're going to we're going to put the tree up. Sounds Not the good. inside, just the outside. Just want to get the outside done first. One, one of these years, I'll get it done. Sounds awesome. Well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for being part of our my sixth anniversary show. Can I can't believe it's thanks been for, six years. Yeah, thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. Yep, Absolutely. appreciate you. See you next year, Bear. <laughs> always, always. I'll, Tim, see you, Tim, I'll, Tim see, I'll see. I'll see you on the baseball show. Yes, we'll do the baseball show for sure. Um and. uh for my audience out there, we really do appreciate all those likes, shares, and comments. Keep them coming. You can always check out our YouTube page. Um, has a YouTube channel, LLS if you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. If you do listen to us on podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you hit the download, subscribe, and review button. Especially do the reviews. Need some more of those. Uh, whoever the Debbie Downer was that gave me a one star, thank you for the constructive criticism. Next time, just actually put something <laughs> in the criticism. That would be really helpful. Other than just telling me I suck with giving me the one star review, it'd be you know helpful if you provide a little bit of context so I can try to improve myself. But the growth is always positive here on LSF Martex. We do really appreciate it always. 
and uh, please keep them coming as always. Um, if you already are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe, but then don't forget to hit resubscribe because that helps my numbers. That's why I get Tim back every year is because he looks at my numbers and he's like, absolutely, Bear, you're, you're growing and that's fantastic. So I'll absolutely be a part of the show. Hector, thank you as always for being on and available anytime that I ask. It really means the world to me. So uh, congratulations to Espinosa Cigars for uh, the second number one cigar of the year from Alice from our takes. Um, in my brief history, that's the, you're the first company to ever do it. You were the first one like with Espinosa Bono and the first company to ever have two number ones. So congratulations to you, sir. And Eric. Hey, if the, if the giant sign Otani, if the giant sign Otani, I want on this baseball show. I, I'll, 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 put, I'll put in a word, Tim. That's, yeah, I'll put in a word. in a good word for you. We'll put in a good word for you, so. Maybe, All right. maybe you can get a pre-recorded segment in. There you go. <laughs> Uh, to all our audience, thanks again. Once again, you can always check out our calendar of upcoming events on our Facebook page. Just check out our Facebook page, Ellos Fumaris, where we broadcast every Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Central. It's much later than that now, uh, especially for Hector and for Tim. He's going to go to lunch so on the West Coast. Uh, we do appreciate everyone out there. Thank you so much. As always, this was our 271st take, 271 in six years. Holy cow. Can't believe it. want to thank all of our guests, all of our sponsors over the years. Couldn't have done it without you. Really do appreciate it. Uh, from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas, I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time. Good night, guys.